She take my money when I'm in need. Yeah, she's a trifling friend indeed. Oh, she's a gold digger way over town that digs her man. Now, I ain't saying she a gold digger, but she ain't messing with no bro. bro. Now, I ain't saying she a gold digger, but she ain't messing with no bro. bro. Get down, girl, go ahead, get down. Get down, girl, go ahead, get down. Get down, girl, go ahead, get down. Get down, girl, go ahead. Hello, world, and welcome to episode 111, I think, of the Feminine Critique. I'm Emily. I'm Christine. Uh, and we are not alone, folks. Uh, it has been a while, but we today are joined by a guest star, a special guest star, if you will, uh, a published author, a uh, classy, classy guy, and he is none other than Keith Ellison, who I don't think has a fancy username, so I'm just going to give his real name because that's the name of his book. Mr. Keith Ellison, say hello. Hello, and thank you. And yeah, the, the real name is how you find the book, so that's good. Yeah, so we want to give them <laughs> It's exactly an important part of need. this whole process. <laughs> you, you know, because I mean, some people are only known by their like Twitter handle and stuff, but then yeah. I can't buy a book written by a Twitter handle. I mean, I probably can, but not that's... this book, because that's not your Twitter handle, all of that. Uh, there, now... is, there is another Keith Allison who has written a number of books <gasps> on holistic horse care. Oh, he sounds so, like Oh, that's what I accidentally bought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I and and I did grow up on a horse farm, so I'm not entirely certain it's not me. Ooh. But, there is that thing like what is what do they call it? Automatic writing where you like go into a trance and you write and you don't remember it. Yeah, who knows what I'm doing. Cuz I mean, all this stuff is probably in your head. Now, I'm imagining, um, if you please tell us the name of your book to start. It's called Cocktails and Capers. And it has many a recipe for cocktails. And now I'm imagining a wonderful crossover where it's either cocktails for horses or horse medicine as cocktails. Oh, no, not that last one. (laughs) Funny story about that. Uh, Not to, to wander too far into this. So the origin of the word cocktail, uh, it's not 100%, but one of the most likely uh, histories of it is that people with horses used to mix up... uh, Horse semen. A concoction. I mean, horse semen, right? A a concoction of pepper and ginger and and other stuff that they'd have. And, And no, the thing is, it's... It's maybe worse than horse semen. Oh. Uh, so you take this concoction and you you shove it up a horse's ass <gasps> oh. uh, to give it some pep, to give it some zing. Okay. And when I you mean, do that this, would do it, right? I mean, it does it for me. What? <laughs> its tail would perk up. It's so it would have a cocked tail. So this concoction uh, was a cocktail, which is why a lot of the earliest cocktails are are ginger. What did Pace. it do for the horse aside from a quick pick me up? I don't know. Uh, like, was this to get a horse to run faster? Was this to get a no, horse it was, to? It was really to just make it look livelier. Uh. I wish you could see the look on my face right now. I'm very disturbed by all <laughs> Christine's disturbed, and I'm thoughtful because I'm just trying to picture 
the person that figured this out and what their goal was and how they then honed it and the many horses that were used as test cases. I will say to, to lean on my experience as a, a holistic horse care doctor, <laughs> uh, but really uh, having grown up around horses, uh, you, you do end up with your, your arm up a horse's butt more times. Okay. You might want I can understand that. Um, I mean, you, there's stuff you got to do. If anybody to be healthy, you often need to deal with that part. Um, but had you, I guess, ever done it and thought, what is this doing for the horse? How is somebody supposed to answer that? <laughs> <laughs> well, he is. He has written books about it. I mean, right? That's true. Yeah. Uh, I've never had a horse complain. But there you go. All right, so now I have read Keith's book, and I found it highly enjoyable. Um, so much so that I said, I'm going to ask the author to be on the show. You know, let's see if that will work. And it did. Um, it is, so t- tell me a little, I mean, I can talk about the book, but you wrote it. You're going to do it better than me. So tell me about uh, what, because it focuses really on, I mean, primarily on film, but films of a particular type focusing on a particular subject. Uh, and you mix in quite a bit of recipes of different cocktails. So this is your first full book, is that correct? It is, yes. And it's it's so polite of you to say that it focuses on anything. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so to talk a little bit about the evolution of it, I started writing about film way back in the 1990s. Whoa, that's uh, like 100 years and, ago. And... Part of what always fascinated me about writing about film is is I would do reviews from time to time, but I ended up far more interested in just sort of the the making of stories, mm. the history behind it. Uh, especially, I've never written about anything current. Uh, <laughs> so the lives of stars from the 20s and 30s and 40s were often so bizarre, and they crossed so many other weird historical moments whether it was uh sure. prohibition or world wars or uh-huh. organized crime or or all these things so eventually i just sort of became uh, a research junkie which is why it takes me like 20 years to write a book um <laughs> so well, I mean, I when you're that... presenting facts which <laughs> i mean you do that that great thing when it comes to reading nonfiction where I, you know, a lot of it, what you're reporting on essentially are things that are documentable and real, but then you're also doing so with such a great personality to your writing that, you know, it's, it's it kind of like a loose history with a, being told by you know, like that really fun guy at the bar that's well-spoken. Well, thank you. He starts out fun and well-spoken, <laughs> but the, the longer the night goes. Oh, you uh, know, isn't that true of all of us? <laughs> Especially you should see the horse. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, and I try uh, the the thing about writing about film, especially older film, and the thing about writing about cocktails, and the thing about writing about crime, is so much of what's taken as history is actually hearsay mm. or complete bullshit or sure. stuff that someone got wrong uh, seventy years ago and no one's ever bothered to correct it. So. The thing is, a lot of those stories are really good, 
So you still want to tell them, but mm-hmm. I at least try uh, to couch it in. The, one of the most frequently used phrases in the book is legend has it, <laughs> or uh, according to the story. So, but I, think, I think that's important, though, too, oh, yeah. because, I mean, you've, you're really kind of carving out a, a niche for your, yourself, um, because, I mean, so many of us, I mean, everyone on this call really has start, started writing film reviews mostly on mm-hmm. the internet. And I think we all kind of found what our actual voices are because there's a there's yeah. a real formula for that kind of writing. And I think it's really admirable that you found what works yeah. for you and, and you've leaned into it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being um, like an information gatherer. I think that's admirable. And I think it's important because like if so, if no one does it, then it we're likely to just get left with the hearsay mm-hmm. and no one will actually know anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. And yeah, it took, it takes a while, I think, to develop the voice, especially if you start writing young. And I uh, will even couch that for, if you start writing young and male <laughs> and white, uh, even when you think you're, you're sort of being aware, uh, you can go back and read stuff that you wrote mm-hmm. in the, the, mid 90s or the early 90s when I in my mid to late 20s and it's horrifies because <laughs> uh, I am not the same writer sure. uh, or person now that I was then uh, but sort of over time you kind of I think you try out things that uh, you think are unique but you you actually find are fairly common uh, I'm going to do the angry voice. I'm going to do mm. the the riffing voice. I'm going to do this. I'm going to curse a lot, <laughs> uh, and and you hopefully you outgrow those. Sure. Uh, and you do. Find that you, and then you there's also still... the things that you're you're good at that are part of your voice that you pull yeah. out and hone, and that becomes you know. And and your book definitely has a very particular voice. And I mean, I I know you and I've met you and I've heard you speak. So I've been hearing your voice as I read, but I think anybody that didn't know you, here is a very particular type of storyteller in your book. And I think that's really enjoyable. I was really hoping you'd hear John Huston's voice. (laughs) Occasionally, you know. (laughs) Uh. But good times. And, uh, And you're working, you're working on another book now. Is that right? I... Uh, being a writer and not someone who's good at, at promotions or selling, uh, literally the, the day after it went up for sale, uh, I started working on a sequel. Nice. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, it's going to be more of the same. And then I'm already, I'm already planning the sequel to the sequel. It's going to be a trilogy. Nice. Uh, so all now, some of the films you cover in the book, the two that we're covering on today's uh, show, <laughs> by the way, are Danger, Diabolique, or Diabolic. I always want to say Diabolique. Me too! Right? Right? And like one character says me. it too. In the very beginning, there's one character who pronounces it Diabolique. I'm like, oh good, I was right all these years. And then everybody else is Diabolic. And the other one is The Jewel Robbery. And in your book, you also cover, I mean, a few of the other ones that you do like major coverage are on uh, are um the oh good you just rattle them off because you you can have them in front of you better than i can so yeah so my thinking was to sort of take uh generally heist films but but they're not all heist films but sort of heist crime films that intersect with mm-hmm. 
interesting pieces of history and uh, everyone's drinking a lot in them because <laughs> uh, I also write about uh, booze and cocktails. Yep. Uh, so uh, of the films, I write about a lot, a lot about uh, early French uh, silent serials. So Fantomas, mm-hmm. uh, if we're going to just not pronounce things for Les Vampires. <laughs> Les Vampires, uh, as Alex Trebek would say. Yes, yeah. Uh, and then Gentleman Thief movies, which is where uh, Jewel Robbery comes in, and uh, the, uh, gosh, I wish I had the table of contents in front. This has all been <laughs> I should have so long ago. Well, you have a few uh, um, of the not, the kind of, which I mean, I guess Danger Diabolic kind of falls in, what I uh, this whole subgenre that I didn't really know about, which is sort of like, like evil James Bond or James Bond, but not, but a bad guy, I guess, or like yeah. a thief James Ste- Bond. Stealing in style. Stealing in yeah. style. I like that. <laughs> oh, and, and a whole chapter on, on El Santo, of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, cause you gotta, but, uh, I mean, he wears a mask. It, it fits. Yeah. It totally fits. Uh, and for people that, and by, for people, I mean, for everybody that really should check it out. Uh, you have it both digital and hard copy, is that right? It's just hard copy right now nice. because they're Classy. because it it has sidebars. And I was wondering that. I'm like, I how would you do quite... a digital version of it? Because you have recipes everywhere. I when I figure it out, I'll tell the secret. Nice. Uh, I don't. I mean, it, there's an option to to basically you can PDF it and put that up, but that's not quite the same as having an ebook. Mm-hmm, uh, sure. So I don't know. I figure if I if I get the layout, then why not do it as an mm-hmm. ebook? But for right now, just just print. Okay, uh, and it's it's a nice you know ni- nice solid book with uh you know you've got you've got pictures in there. Um, and again, there's pictures. There's a cover. There's there there's, is a cover. There isn't about about you. No, there isn't an about you actually. Is there? It's, it's on the back. It's cover. yeah. There's there no it is. Index. Okay. Which uh, someone, a friend, complained that there's no index, uh, which was a conscious decision. I would have liked an index. I'm going to say that. My one main criticism, I would have liked to be able to quickly just get that list of movies, which I think might actually be here somewhere, but just not by page number. Uh, Second edition. Okay. Okay, Uh, (laughs) So I had had this thinking that uh, it is supposed to be sort of the reading equivalent of, of rummaging through a, a junk shop mm. or sitting next to someone at a bar. Uh, so I was like, well, if I do an index, then it becomes more of a reference book. Sure. Um, also doing indexes, uh, it turns out is really, really difficult. <laughs> um, and I was just kind of anxious. It is really difficult. It's uh, tedious. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I probably, in retrospect, I should have at least cataloged the drinks that are in it and and the movies that are mentioned. But uh, hey, it's learned. a man. As somebody there's who's self-published twice, there's there's learning curves here. Sure. Like oh yeah, uh, I it's a hundred percent. I get it. So like you know, now you know, and you can employ it for the next one. I've I've learned a lot about. Uh, the minimum margins you have to have, <laughs> and <laughs> the margins you should actually have. Uh, but, uh, did you have to? Did you pick the font as well? I did pick the font. What font it, is that? It's it's the main text is Cambria. I like so, Cambria. Yeah. 
I think that's I what always, uh, Word defaults to now, and it looks good. I always Is put, it? No, you know, I'm getting yeah, Cambria confused with Cal- Cal- Calibri, Calibri, oh, however yeah. you say it. I like Cambria. I like Georgia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Looks good. Glad everyone, like a little I'm serif, but not too much serif. The, yeah. Thanks for tuning into the typeface. Uh, you know, I, I like the details. Well, it's books. Like, I mean, we're all nerds here. Like, we like books in our hands and we like to read them and hold them and put them on our shelves um and i i under like i'm not an audiobook person but i know many people who are and i'm not an ebook person but i know many people who are and it's one of those like i, I get it in the end reading a great book is just a, is about the book and is about the experience but there is still you know the the, the classist in me who wants to hold it and is going to appreciate the difference in the cover and in the font and all those details. But well, I'm just and, an old funky. That's the, the real joke about this book uh, that I've talked. So I have a, a, a good friend, another published author, helped me out with my old website, Teleport City, a lot of guy named Todd Statman, mm-hmm. uh, who is a lot of the reason why I managed to finish this book because I was puttering along for years. Sure. I always found some reason not to finish it. Uh, and then he wrote a book while he was battling brain cancer and finished it. So I thought, which he beat, <laughs> There goes by the my way. excuse. Uh, I was like, well, God damn it, Todd. Yep. yep. Yes, now i got to finish this thing. Uh, but yeah, to go from writing online where uh, when Teleport City was enjoying some degree of popularity, I could get thousands of of reads like twenty five, thirty thousand in a month. Uh and now I go to a book which dozens of people will read. Mm-hmm. But somehow it feels like more of an accomplishment sure. for some reason. Well because they're gonna read it and put it on their shelves or one day they'll donate it to a bookstore or you're gonna find it in a yard sale and it's one of those like it really I don't know, I think there is a difference. And I'm saying this I haven't written a book. You have and Christine has and I'm sure there is that that digitally nowadays yes you 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 know a buzzfeed article is going to get millions of reads but a year later five years later certainly 10 years later 99 percent of the people who read that will have no memory of ever reading it whereas as much as i might forget here and there details of a book or an author of a book i don't know that i've ever can ever say that i've forgotten a book that i've read yeah and when society collapses, which is oh, coming soon, imminent, imminent. Uh, you know, you're not. It's going to be hard to access your eBooks. Yeah, that's really, really true and unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, so you can find it. I, I think like Amazon is is the best place for it, or do you have a preferred seller? Of yeah, that was going to be my question because I I have not picked it up yet, and I plan to. And I I always want to make sure that you're going to get the most out of it. So is Amazon the best way to go? Uh, Amazon is like the only way to go right now. Uh, you know, you, you publish and they're like, oh yeah, it'll be available through distributors. So it could show up in a, in a bookstore, but it's not showing up in a bookstore. Uh, so yeah, Amazon showing up anywhere. Uh, uh, I just today I did a, a ISBN search. I was like, maybe it is in, but it's not, uh, but you can buy it on the used market already from people who don't have it <laughs> for between 100 to $700. I'll, I'm uh, going to pay the 700 I think you honestly, should. Yeah, exactly. that. That seems uh, and, and if you live in, if you live in the New York area, uh, as of next week, it will be 
at Video Vortex, which is the store Woo! the front That's of awesome. the Brooklyn Alamo Draft House. Very so nice. You can always drop by and get it there. Very, very cool. Uh, yeah. Are you just going to hang out there and sign it? Like you're just going to be the creepy guy that's like, that I, as soon as somebody picks up the book, you're like, hey, you want that? I'll sign it for you. I Having people that I've known for, because most everyone who's bought it at this point is someone I know. Uh, having them ask me to sign it is one of the weirdest <laughs> and most ludicrous experiences. I One, I've known them forever. Sure. Uh, two, I don't know what to write. You know, so. Best wishes, I think, always works. Best wish- or I've keep in touch, your- have a great summer, you know, the classics. I've seen your death. Is- <laughs> it's on page 72. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, well, again, highly recommended. We're going to get into some of the movies you ta- you discuss in, in full in the book here. So this is going to be fun. Um, we will again remind everybody where to get it later with the title and I'll put it in the show notes and all that fun stuff. Uh, but now we're going to take a break from literature and get back to movies. So before we delve into the two features, um, it's only been a short time since we recorded. So we are going to go over some of our recent watches. Um, how about I'm going to have Christine kick it off. Christine, what have you been watching recently? Let me kick this shit off. Um, (laughs) I haven't been watching much. I don't know why. You know what? I do know why. Because I had a little bit of um, uh, October, Spooktoberween burnout. Sure. Because we did successfully do pretty films. much one a, yeah. one a day, except for when I went and saw Beyonce, because come on. Um, but I had a tough go getting back into it. Sure. Watched some newer stuff that we kind, we missed in the theater or was recently available on Redbox that we hadn't gotten around to. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was Incredibles 2, which I hated. Really? Um, wow. I didn't really like the first one, mm-hmm. and the second one is worse somehow. Um, not for me, everyone. That is very so, strong. Keith, I, where do you well, fall on the first or either of the Incredibles? Uh, so I've only seen the first one. Mm-hmm. I like the soundtrack. Okay. Uh, and I, I like the film well enough when we saw it in the theaters, but it's one of those that the more you think about it's either intentional or unintentional message. Mm, yeah. A little It's really weird yeah. and sort of eugenics-y. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> I like the style uh, so I of it a this, lot. And, and the second one, there's a baby in it, so I, I'm out. <laughs> you, <know. laughs> you heard it right here, everybody. Keith Ells yeah. hates babies. Baby hater. Just just human babies. That's reasonable, yeah. Well, I mean, most animal babies are far cuter. Yeah. All right, so a, a no on The Incredibles 2. Interesting. I, that's just me. Sure. Like, other people really like it. People really like that, the style it chooses. Yeah, I um, think the style's fun. It's, it's fine. This one is... It's weird. I would love to talk at length about both of them, mm-hmm. because this one felt very purposeful in its girl power stance okay. so much so that it didn't feel authentic Interesting. Um, it, it felt like really forced and i didn't appreciate that sure. i can just watch the spice girls movie and get more empowerment um yeah i watched the darkest minds which is based on a ya novel it came out over the summer it. i think okay. um it was directed by a lady so i was super upset i missed it in the theater mm-hmm. um so i definitely wanted to check it out it was <clears throat> It was pretty bland, but okay. like, yeah. I don't know. Got to support people putting in the work. Sure. I um. So I don't know. Like, what? I'll ne- I literally never think of it again. It has a very generic title too. 
It really does. I think that's one of the reasons why we never saw it, because we would go scroll through the list, and every time Zach would go, what's the Darkest Minds? And I'd have to remind him. Well, because it sounds like, oh, like that one? you think of how many movies you can think of that have either Darkest or Minds in the title. It's, yeah. you know, or even even DM, like Dangerous Minds, I'd get that confused with. It's, it's too much. And the book might be awesome, but the movie didn't even, for me, it didn't make sense as to why it was called that. Got it. So, again, maybe I'm missing something. I need to read the book, but who knows. Um, saw the Teen Titans movie, which was a joy. I've heard good things. It's so good. I'm really sad we missed that in the theater. I swear it was only around here for like two weeks, though. Yeah, it came out at a weird time, too. Yeah. Right? It, it did. It hit at a strange time. I, it was like I an August-September was... release or something. That should have been like early August or like the kids that are still kind of have nothing to do, get them to the theater type thing. Yeah, and we don't see a lot of – I don't really seek trailers out, and we don't watch a lot of kids' movies. Yeah, I movies. never saw that advertised once, so but I, I don't watch exact, them on TV. So I never knew when it was yeah. coming out. Like, I knew it was going to come out, and then all of a sudden, like, we were going to see something else, and I was like, oh, that this is out? And we we didn't get a chance. But I, I thought it was really, really cute and funny. Um, went to the theater and saw Overlord. What is this? I Overlord is the um, – Bad Robot, Abrams, um, oh, World War II. Right, right, right. Okay, changing yeah, yeah. Uh, any good? It's fucking amazing. Real in like in a real way or in a in like like way. in a um, Geostorm or your no, what's the movie beautiful. you like? It's not Skyscraper. Ah, it wasn't Geo Skyline. It's not. It's not like Skyline. Christine, good. No, because Skyline's not really good. Okay. Is Skyline 2 really good? No, Skyline 2 is really bad. Skyline is good, but, like, I like to watch it. Okay. This movie is legitimately good. Everybody should see it in the theater if, while they have a chance to ah. support it. It's so good, and the lead, whose name I can't think of, madly in love with him by the end. Everybody's really good. It's one of those whole Buffalo movies, not to use that term. Is that term insensitive at this point? Um, I don't know. But um, know everything that gets introduced gets used. It's it's subtle in its storytelling. It's really interesting in the subject matter. It's disturbing in some parts. It's cool. I liked it a lot. I thought it was a really great genre movie. Cool. You know what I didn't think was a really great genre movie? Emily, you and I have already talked about this. Well, we haven't talked about it. it we've, we've, you've asked about it because I don't have – I haven't seen it yet, but I know you're going to say Suspiria. Yes. Keith, have you seen the new Suspiria? I have not. Uh, I haven't seen much of anything, but uh, it's on the list. Yeah. A lot of the reasons people have for not liking it, like it's it's shallow, it's pretentious, it's graphs its messages on awkwardly. Uh, weirdly, all sound like good reasons for me to see it. But... Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And there's ballet. So, Christine, you just you hated it. Um, I didn't like it, but the more I thought about it, the more insulted I was by the script. Fascinating. And, um, I really, it, I think I mentioned this to you when we were messaging back and forth, but I, and I know this is terrible and a terrible stance and reason, but like the fans and the, the protectors of this movie <laughs> have really put me off even more because they're, they're screaming why I'm wrong about mm. not liking this. And it's making me double down on not liking it. So yeah. it's really, 
it skewed me very far in the other direction. Like somebody on the internet tried to convince me that the movie was about nationalism, and I sent them the definition of nationalism and asked them <laughs> to explain to me how it was about nationalism, and they couldn't. And it's just things like that over and over again. Just because you tell me a thing is about something doesn't mean it was. Mm. And I, this is the dude who did. I mean, he did call me by your name, right. which I didn't, which I didn't see. But he also did I Am Love, which is a Tilda Swinton movie that I really liked. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm here for this. I'm here for this. Sure. Let's fucking do it. I went in totally game for this movie, and. There's, like, the whole spoilery thing about people playing certain characters. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that that got out of the bag pretty quickly. I don't really want to talk about it, but to me it made no sense. Okay. And, like, I just, I don't know, like, I really felt like this is a case of people defending it and not really willing to listen to the criticisms because I feel like my criticisms are completely valid. Mm. Um, But there's just this, like, doubling down from both sides like people that really liked it are like it's, it was the best yeah. horror movie of, it was this the best is... movie of the year yeah and then polarizing. people that didn't like it are like it was trash I, I honestly think the truth is somewhere in between and for me the dancing wasn't even that good and you know how I feel about dancing movies yeah, I know I know so there is, there is no in between now Everything is either the greatest movie <laughs> yes. or the worst or the worst without but, so question if you want to if you want to feel like you have an ally uh, there's a guy named Richard Brody who's a film critic for The New Yorker. He's one of my favorite hilariously cantankerous, cranky <laughs> contrarians. Uh, and the more I disagree with him, the more I enjoy reading his stuff. But he wrote a hilarious negative review of Suspiria, so you should check it out. I will You're have not alone. To. I found some, and the thing that... It, I don't usually seek out reviews um, to speak to what we were talking about at the beginning because I don't I don't know if that the the normal review format really gives me much anymore. Mm, sure. I don't, but I did after this because I kind of felt like I was losing my mind a little bit, and and so I googled some reviews and like there were some really smart, eloquent people saying exactly how I felt, and I was like, oh okay, good. Well, good. it's not just me. Sure. But, but I then need... there's people that like you tend you probably often agree with or often you know respect their opinion who are wildly on the other side of this. I think. Yeah, it's it's like my film Twitter is just yeah all about this movie to the point of being like you didn't understand it. Mm. That's why you didn't like it. Don't tell me that. I'm I'm a very I'm a very diligent educated viewer. I am yeah. a viewer of of the human condition. Don't tell me <laughs> I didn't understand something as you're out for why I think it wasn't good. Maybe maybe I just didn't think it was good. But this, you need to see it so I can talk to you about it forever. The second someone trots out you didn't get it as oh, yeah. a counter to you not enjoying something, that's someone you can just permanently... I mean, unless we're talking about Starship Troopers uh, and somebody is like, I don't know, they were all bad actors. Like, then it's different. Then they're they're uh, terrible. I and I, I yes I don't I want you to see it because I want to know what you, where you fall on it and I want everybody to watch it forever so Just what I everybody needs to see it I've been debating oh. whether I need to go see because I'm like oh I mean it's really long and I have to go to the theater and it's gonna be really long and here's my it fear really I think I am gonna go see it tomorrow I think I've decided I'm gonna carve some time out for it my fear is that I went through the same exact thing with the movie Mother. <laughs> Where it was yeah, like, oh, God, everybody is so, I can't, like, 
go on the, online anywhere without hearing people praising this movie or trashing it. I need to form an opinion. I got to figure out where I fall. And then it was so hard to watch the movie and not be like, okay, I see why people hate it. Okay, I see why people love it. <laughs> eh, I'm in the middle. And then I'm mad because I'm in the middle. And I feel like that's going to happen with me and Suspiria. <laughs> I, you know, it, you might love it. You, you might be able to explain to me what these deep, intense themes are that, this, mm. that people are claiming this movie's about. Because I don't get how it's a feminist film. I don't get how it's about blind nationalism. I don't get any of that. So if somebody could actually explain it to me instead of just repeating that that's what it's about, mm. I would really Got appreciate it. it. Send, send, me, send me messages. Send me written yeah. letters explaining this. It's... I will say a, a few of the, the horror writers I know whose opinions I spec respect the most they also weren't that wild about it so yeah i've, so there no, is I've a noticed group similar out there. yeah yeah all right i'm probably gonna see it tomorrow so next time we'll all talk right, about it in detail okay what else let me you know. got girl last one it's not my recommend but it's on hulu if anybody wants to watch it it's called cooties and it's like uh did you like uh, this i this is a james winnell right or lee winnell you know he's just in it oh he's in it okay oh yeah no he wrote it he wrote this it. had he a great poster it. i lied i, I lied I lied. He wrote it. He's in it. Boy, do I love him. I just want to put him in my pocket and give him kisses. <laughs> um, I did like it to a degree. I think the cast really benefited um, the movie because it's Elijah Wood, Rain Wilson, and Allison oh, Pill. I didn't among, know it among was that people. cast. For some reason, I thought it was like kind of him and a bunch of nobodies. No, he's in it, and he's so funny. His choices are so weird, and I just I adore him. Like, as a person walking around, mm-hmm. his I movies, for him, you know, I do. quite questionable at times, at least historically. But, like, him just being a person, he's adorable, and I love him. But, um, I don't know, it's like a zombie movie with kids. It's funny. It does it does enough interesting things to be interesting. Okay. But, it, you know, and it's available via the streaming. So sure. So, and that kind of sounds like the, the way to watch it. Yeah, it was okay. definitely like uh, it's too late on a Saturday night to pick something like right. super serious. Let's just throw something on. Got it. Yeah. Got it. All right, cool. Um, all right, I have a really small list, so I'll run through mine as Keith prepares whatever movies that he would like to talk. You could about. have seen it seven years ago. I know, and it would still be relevant. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm going back at least to the age of ten. Nice, yep. nice. Uh, all, all those educational horse videos. Excellent. <laughs> all right. I just have a few, so I'll shoot mine out. Um, this was a fun one that I kind of am mad that I never saw before, and I feel like both of you have probably seen it. Um, 1960-somethings? I Drink Your Blood. I haven't, no. I have seen it. This was a joy. It's kind of the crazies <laughs> before the crazies. It's a bunch of people get rabies, and a satanic, or rather a satanic, cult gets rabies in a small town they go around eating people kinda um it's just i mean it's this it sounds like a laugh riot it was it's it's um i mean it's very bloody it's a couple of faces that you recognize like lynn lowry is in it before she was in the crazies um it's just a kind of bonkers i mean it's cheap it's made on the cheap it's made apparently it was the first film rated x for violence which is pretty neat. That is uh, pretty cool. It's just a good time. It's got the crazy jazz score. I feel like this is up your alley, Keith. It it was often on a double bill with I Eat Your Skin. Yes. Uh, and it's it's been a long time since I've seen it. It's uh, a lot of foaming at the mouth oh, yes. in it, right? I mean, they, they have it was, 
I remember seeing it when I was was far too young <laughs> to have seen it, which is when I saw most things. Uh, it was the first movie I watched where I was like, "These are hippies. They're they're a lot meaner than <laughs> so so I've been led to believe." <laughs> it's confusing because the description calls them hippies, but you're like, "But they're worshiping Satan and, and killing they're and more, raping people. That's not hippies." Oh, like, is that not what hippies do? Mm, I've been doing it wrong. So. <laughs> uh, let's see what else I got. Um, what a movie I'd never seen—a very well-known <clears throat> movie. Uh, this I had recorded off of TCM a while back and then was kind of digging through to clear off my DVR. And I thought, in a way, Keith, I watched this one as like a warm-up for the jewel robbery because I'm like, well, let me find something older that I've recorded. And it was my first time watching His Girl Friday. With you know what? Cary Grant. You're not going to see it. Grant, never seen it. I've never seen it. What? Never. Oh, you can only do so much. In a day. Well, like, this is the one that I thought everybody had seen but me. I have a feeling Christine hasn't seen it either. I, I thought everybody had seen it but me and Christine. I'm too busy watching Suspiria that's, yelling at it. That's, I mean, it was two and a half hours. Uh, this is, wow, okay. So this is 1940, thereabouts, with, oh, God, what's her name from the women? What is the actress's name? I can't think of it, but she's sassy and talks fast. And Cary Grant is the lead, and he talks fast. My God, people talk fast so fast that it's kind of annoying. Like, it takes you a little bit to kind of accept it, and then you're like, okay, so this is the language they're speaking in this movie. Um, but it's really fun. It's, it's, um, it's a very sassy movie. Like, it's, it's not really a romance, but it kind of is. But it, it's, like, very, uh, you know, you have a professional woman who's – like the gender politics are a little bit off because it's the 1940s and they always are but there's also like no she's she's a pretty capable woman and pretty ambitious and all that uh and it's just it's actually really really funny um i enjoyed it i think everybody would i'm surprised nobody else here has seen it but anyway sorry where okay. did you watch it uh tcm i recorded TCM, it that's a while what I back you said. yeah it's i mean it's everywhere it's you know yeah yeah, yeah. i thought movie. maybe there was a way i could lazy out of it <laughs> uh let's see um okay i have one more oh shit well one and then one i think i'll mention uh this brandon had gotten as a dvd from netflix didn't remember how he heard about it but i looked at the description thought that sounded interesting and then also saw that it was a female director so i'm like ah, okay let me watch it with you it was called the fits Hmm, not that like, sounds familiar. Not like as in Ezra Fitz from Pretty Little Liars. <laughs> of but... course, that's what I thought initially. <laughs> uh, the Fitz, F-I-T-S, 2015, directed okay. by Anna Rose Homer. Uh, it has, the, I mean, the concept is a pretty good, simple plot, which is there's this young girl, she's a, kind of a tomboy, and she decides um, she wants to join the school's dance troupe. And right as she does this weird thing starts happening where all of the girls in the dance troupe, like one by one sort of have like these kind of violent fits, if you will, or almost seizures, but not really seizures. And you don't really know what's going on. Does it have to do with her? Is it something about, you know, is it just kind of emotional? Is it really happening? Who knows? Um, It's a very short movie. It's, I think like 70 minutes and it's, it's really interesting. Um, I don't, you know, when it ended, both Brandon and I were both kind of like, I don't fully know what it was saying or what it was doing. I think I know what it was, what it was exploring. Um, we had different takes on it. It's, it's really interesting. It's well done. Um, the young girl playing the lead is great, and I hope she does more stuff. The director is, it's one of those movies that makes you want to see more from that filmmaker. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I hope she continues to work and gets funding and stuff. Uh, either one of you hear about it? It sounds familiar, but I'm, I mean, I'm looking at it on IMDb right now, and mm-hmm. it, it doesn't like look familiar. Yeah. Um, I don't know if somebody was was repping for it hard on Twitter or something. Maybe somebody that I know saw it and liked it, but yeah. it does sound really familiar. Yeah, I mean, it's very, I guess, film festival-y in a way. Yeah. Because clearly, like, it's it's made on a tiny budget. Even the fact that it's, like, 70 minutes is, you know, not a movie that was made to be shown on the big screen kind of thing. Like, it, it feels like this is this is a film made by somebody exp- using film to explore something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would look out for it. It looks like it's rentable on Amazon, uh, and it is rentable as a disc for... Those old fogies like us who like our hard copy books. And you such. and my mom. <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, and then just a warning. Um, I started today the uh, my first stocking stuffer watch. So those will come soon. As those of you who are new might not know, come the holidays, I watch um, a whole bunch of Hallmark Lifetime Freeform Up Netflix movies about single women finding the meaning of Christmas. And I started one today. And... Um, it's. I mean, we're we're right back where we were last year. Basically, is is where. Oh, thank is. God. So don't, don't worry. I knew. Everyone. I knew the city smelled like gingerbread today. Always, always, and there was a <laughs> Christmas tree lighting, and there were carolers, of course. Random people figure skating who can apparently figure skate really well, even though they're not professional figure skaters. All of that <laughs> stuff and more. It's lovely. Uh, now, Keith, are you ready? Tell us. I'm let ready. It go. Everything uh, you've been watching, everything from the ever. beginning. I will. Okay, I will say it. So it's like, all right. I got to prepare for this. Let me look at my my letterboxed watched in. Mm-hmm. So for all of the past years, I I average like two hundred thirty, two hundred forty movies okay. a year. Good, good, Here we are, mid November. I've watched sixty movies. Wow! Um, for for tw- because of the, all the writing. I I don't know. I watch a lot of TV shows. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I will start with the TV show. Okay. Uh, I watched the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. <gasps> How was it? Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I haven't started it yet. I, I I'm doing this new thing. Maybe you can relate to this, Keith, where I don't want to start a show until I'm done with a show. Mm. Oh yeah, I, I, it's why it takes me so long to to do things. Yeah, so uh, it's really good. I like Kiernan Shipka a lot. Uh, she's I, I wish think her she's the a, best. a good actor. Uh, it's funny that in this her. I don't think this is a spoiler alert. Uh, she's got a dad who's a Satanist. And <laughs> Just yet, like Don Draper. And yet, I would say, and yet she still has more opportunities to laugh and be happy than she did as the daughter of Don Draper. <laughs> uh, Poor Sally. It does something really interesting where it sort of initially approaches Satanism as you know, liberating and free but then it really tackles that it's really just another tool for men to sort of manipulate mm-hmm. women and control them and tell them what to do. Uh, I liked it. I know other people had some problems with it. It doesn't know the difference between witches and Satanists, but you, <laughs> at this point you just kind of roll with that. Sure. Uh, and it does a really weird blur effect that uh, on the edges of the video that I don't understand. I saw some people talking about that on Facebook, that, like, for some, yeah. it just, like, but, uh, it turned them off of the show. Yeah, it's what, it's it's easier to get used to than, like, a shaky cam sort okay. of thing. Uh, so, yeah, it gets, I say go for it. It's good. Uh, I watched 
let's see uh, a movie called Night Tide. I which don't know this. I, I had think. I had always known as a gorgeous sort of gothic uh, movie poster of this woman in a black flowing robe standing on a mm, crag okay. sort of thing. Uh, oh, this is Curtis a, Harrington. Yes. Oh, yes. I love him. Uh, so very low budget stars a, a baby face uh, Dennis Hopper. Nice. Who is actually one of the reasons that I sort of put <gasps> off watching it. Dennis Wait. Hopper just doesn't click with me. Mm, um, okay. But uh, he's really wooden and really yeah. inexperienced and really awkward in this. And it works perfectly. Okay. Like if he had given any other performance, it wouldn't work. It's a really weird sort of moody atmospheric film. Uh, Have you seen other I, films by Curtis Harrington? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, I again, I think he's a filmmaker. I uh, we haven't covered anything by him yet. I keep wanting to, and just a lot of his stuff isn't that easily found. He did Whoever Slew Auntie Rue and What's the Matter with Helen um, and The Killing Kind were probably his his more famous ones. I think he's fascinating, and he uh, he does. Uh, he was kind of one of the big. You know, I guess he gets lumped into like hag horror a lot because a lot of his films in the '70s were uh, Debbie Reynolds and Shirley Winters. Shelley Winters kind of as these older women with all these problems. But I think he's has a really interesting point of view on women and on I think homosexuality and a whole bunch of stuff. So uh, overall, where did you fall on this? What did you think? Uh, I liked it a lot. Okay. Uh, like I said, it's not it's a slow movie, but I don't mean that I like slow movie. Sure. Uh if if you like uh like Carnival of Souls, it's mm. got that same nice. sort of, of feel to it, or maybe like uh Val Luton okay. films. Uh so very cool. Uh I watched one called Mohawk because an acquaintance wrote it, uh or co wrote it. Um I watched it. And I'll move on from there. <laughs> it's always a thing, huh? Yeah, it's so it's the uh, it's the same director that did We Are Still Here. Uh, oh, em- Emily, is that the one I don't like? I think that's one that you liked more than me. Yeah, I don't think we. Uh, I think then it's the the one. Where's the one that we then. both had a lot? We both like could see why people liked it, but had a bunch of problems with it, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, Barbara Crampton's in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. We covered so this, it, and I think we were kind of mixed on it. Yeah, this he's he's aiming high. It's a, a period piece, sort of set during the the early War days of, of America. To, uh, IMDb. Hello. The set during the War of eighteen twelve. Oh wait, sorry, I had a, a skip there. Uh, and it's just he shouldn't have tried for a period piece. It's really awkward. <laughs> the 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 dialogue isn't. Eh, anyway, got it. Uh, better luck next time. Yeah, sure. Uh, I watched a movie called The Moonshine War, which is about people drinking moonshine and fighting. Uh, I had never seen it or never watched it because it has what might be the single worst movie poster ever made. <laughs> Unless you're super mm-hmm. into uh, the bottoms of a uh, hillbilly's Ew. foot being shoved in your face. Ew, this poster uh, is really gross. It's just two feet. Like, it's, you know, like all like, uh, the Corona commercials, uh, it's, right? It's where it's. Patrick... Oi, yuck. 
It's uh, it's Patrick McGowan doing a really bad accent and Alan Alda doing a sort of bad accent. Nice. Uh, and one of those like those weird new Hollywood seventies films where it's a period piece, but it's got sort of like modern folk rocky sort of stuff okay. to it. It's an Elmer uh, Leonard movie, apparently. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so it's sometimes a comedy, it's sometimes really serious. Uh, it was interesting, despite the movie poster. Uh, it it I really under- it is feet looking at you, feet like dirty feet facing you. Whoever, I'm not a violent man, and I don't wish violence on anyone. No, but I know who you wish violence on. But You're whoever right. came up with that movie poster yeah. should have been kicked in the shin. Like, I'm not a feet person. Like, I think, I, I'm sorry, feet are gross. <laughs> like, you, you step on things, they're the grossest part of your body, and they always look weird. And so whenever people do, like, the feet picture at the beach, like, or, like, the Corona commercials, where it's like, look at how relaxed I am. Here are my toes. I'm always kind of like, ugh, I don't really want to see those. But that's yeah. nothing. That's like, I would lick that compared to this poster. It's horrific. I think, even if you are a foot person, this Posters not going to do anything yeah, for no. Uh, but interesting movie. Uh, I'm lukewarm on it. Didn't love it. Didn't hate it. Uh, which I know can't be done. But <laughs> I was apparently it, that's impossible now. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever want to see Alan all the uh, the answer is yes to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever you're about to say, it's yes. Uh, what else did I watch? Uh, a classic epic called giants of marathon which uh, a friend referred to as guns of navarome it's a uh, italian sword and sandal film nice bunch of guys in uh, short skirts Ooh, yeah go on a suicide mission see that's a poster i can get behind uh, to take out uh, a secret weapon which is it's just a catapult but nice. uh pretty good uh good it's cheap mm-hmm Got Richard Harrison in it back when he still cared about the movies <laughs> that he was in. You could take uh, in an old Steve Reeves movie. Yeah. Uh, and then I watched uh, the one-two combo of the Love Me When I'm Dead and The Other Side of the Wind. Oh, uh, the okay. Orson Welles. Mm-hmm. Last, or- last unfinished Orson Welles film that Netflix uh, scraped some people together to uh, edit and put into something resembling a final form. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't watch The Other Side of the Wind without also watching They'll Love Me When I'm Dead or reading there's a book too. Read, okay. the, read the book. God, there's a lot of work uh, involved. Yeah, but it's a really interesting sort of uh, clash, not really clash, but mm. example of, of sort of Orson Welles's old style sort of combining with emerging new Hollywood Okay. style the he, the film took like six years to shoot and then another like 10 to edit and it never actually got finished because uh one of the financiers was the brother-in-law of the shah of iran <laughs> they had was a little revolution there was, i mean that's it, why my movie never got finished yeah there's a reason you know there's a reason there's a documentary about the making of the film okay. also uh but it's it's a difficult film to watch, but if you mm. just sort of let it flow over you, I thought it was fantastic. If I am, if you're not like an Orson Welles expert or haven't really delved into his filmography and all the reasons why he's the greatest living, dead, uh, formerly living director and such, 
are these movies worth watching or is it better to just eventually watch Orson Welles stuff and then watch these? Uh, I would say they're worth watching because if you're, if, if Citizen Kane is your reference point, Mm -hmm. this is nothing like Citizen Kane. Uh, and yet it's, it's so very much like Citizen Kane. Interesting. Uh, it's, it's a movie. It's, it's basically, it's, it's a documentary, uh, or, uh, a fictional documentary about the 70th birthday party of a formerly glorious director who has fallen on hard times. Times have passed him by. Uh, he's struggling to get movies made. Um, okay. But it is in no way uh, autobiographical, says Orson Welles. <laughs> um, so that's the, the movie, The Other Side of the Wind. And okay. then uh, within that movie that is a fake documentary. There is the movie that is the director was making. Uh, so you get parts of that. And it's sort of a Orson Welles spoofing like uh, Antonioni and and all of sort of the new The French new wave of... Okay, stuff. got it. Uh, the auteurs. So you've got that. Yeah. And then you've got the, the Love Me When I'm Dead, which is the actual documentary about the fake documentary... Good God. Uh, <laughs> it's like Inception, so, but actually confusing. Uh, so I was, for anyone, if you're just interested in film, uh, especially sort of independent film and struggling filmmakers, because despite being the greatest filmmaker who ever lived or whatever, uh, Orson Welles you know, never had a dime to make right. any movies. Uh, They'll Love Me When I'm Dead is fantastic. It's heartbreaking. It's hilarious. Uh, it's weird um cool so definitely that one and okay. the, that'll sort of clue you in into whether or not the other the side other of the world is watching. going to be your Got thing it. Yeah. cool cool awesome uh, and then i uh my last is i watched casablanca for about the, the billionth time so is that your number one yeah so i always say that there's there's no such thing as a a favorite film mm-hmm because you, you, moods change, you see. But if forced to choose, right? If if abandoned okay. on an island with a DVD player and the you know a genie came and said, "I'm going to give you one thing, and that's going to be one movie, but only one movie that you're going to have for the rest of your life." That's when you decide what your favorite movie is. Yeah, and I would say that's definitely a contender. I mean, it's got okay. it's got Bogart at its best. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got, got Nazis being put in their places. Sure, sure. And who doesn't love that? Yeah. You know, so. oh, okay. Very nice. Very nice. All right. So with that being said, why don't we take a quick break? And when we come back, do we want to go chronologically and start with the jewel robbery? Let's do it. All righty. Good. We will be right back. A horse is a horse, of course, of course, and no one can talk to a horse, of course, that is, of course, unless the horse is the famous Mr. Ed. Go right to the source and ask the horse, he'll give you the answer that you endorse. He's always on a steady course. Talk to Mr. Ed. People yakety yak the street and waste your time a day. But 1932, a good year, or so I'm told. Uh, we've got William Dieterle, Dieterle. Keith, how would you say that? Uh, this, this is why I write and don't speak. 
Dieterol lay. Dieterol? Dieterol? Yeah, we'll say Dieterol. Jewel robbery, not the jewel robbery, just jewel robbery. Um, 1932, Christine, will you tell the fine people at home uh, what this movie is about? Well, this movie has a very simple plot. It does. It is about a fancy, fancy gentleman that steals uh, jewelry and meets a fancy, fancy lady who, honestly, is maybe my hero. Oh, yes. And they (laughs) fall in love in five minutes, which Mm -hmm. is my favorite, uh, my favorite uh, trope of the time. (laughs) And then there's intrigue and jewel thievery, and it's all in the same night. Mm -hmm. And literally nothing happens in this movie, but everything (laughs) happens in this movie. It is a nice, brisk 68 minutes. It's... Oh, perfect runtime. Mm-hmm. Um, it is so. I I am. I say that I'm not throwing shade on this movie at all. I get that this is like, the, like the ninth movie they ever made. I'm exaggerating for how many different years. But like, I get that like the medium was different back then. So it is a very simple framework. Sure. It's it's this simple idea. What if there's this fancy gentleman that stole jewels and had this this relationship or this interaction with a lady that likes jewels and hilarity and intrigue ensues and it's it's not like let's get her backstory and what was he like as a child it's not like what you maybe would expect going into a movie now Mm -hmm. but like look i don't want to show my hand too early but i kind of loved this oh yeah i'm (laughs) I'm with you uh now keith this movie is one of the first movies i think in your book and, I mean, you write very fondly of it. And it really, like, the way you wrote about it made me write it down and say, I'm going to seek this one out. And then when we decided to bring you on and kind of said, you know, all right, pick some movies that we should do. And you said this one. I'm like, yes, good. I wanted to cover this one. So how did you first come to it? And what about it made you kind of say, okay, I am going to write nearly a chapter about this book, about this movie so... in my book? <laughs> Uh, I came through to it through the the very scientific method of uh, it's in one of those forbidden Hollywood sets that that, uh, Warner Brothers put out. Okay. Uh, And so I was just working my way through those because it was movies that I liked and I'd only ever seen terrible, like aired on PBS yeah, a lot of the movies of this era, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because you've seen more of them than I have, but I feel like whenever I try, like, oh, here's a random movie from 1931 that sounds, like, scandalous and fun, and I'll watch it, and a lot of times it's, like, everybody's voice is so high and they're so chipper, and I find, like, they're not enjoyable. So did you, like, did this one just stand out to you, or do you think there's a lot of kind of jewels in the rough, if you will? No, there's a lot of of jewels, but I will, I will say that as a, a 1930s film nerd, um, a lot of them they've been ill served by the presentation mm-hmm. over the years, either on TV or on home video, sure. uh, or they were just lost, or a lot of them that were released in 1931, 32, uh, 33 had to get recertified. Ah, uh, yes, the, yes. Uh, the code. haze code really mm-hmm. kicked in. Uh, and they couldn't, they couldn't get certified, or they had to get cut dramatically. And then for decades, that's the version uh-huh. that you see. Uh, so this one, uh, I liked it for a lot of the same reasons Christine just said. It's short. Yep. Uh, I love a movie that can get in 
and get it shit done. Oh, yes. Uh, I can't believe that we live in an era where comedies are like two and oh, a half God. hours. Why? It's never um, reasonable. Never. Yeah, And yet it's it's short, but it doesn't feel truncated. Nope. Uh, William Powell is what initially sort of attracted me to it. He's uh, star of The Thin Man, which is ah, another okay. all-time favorite movie going to be covered in the sequel nice. uh but uh and then Kay francis is the only reason i wouldn't say she's my favorite actress from the 30s is there's still uh marina loy out there okay uh but i love Kay francis i love uh the sort of characters that she plays the sort of characters she plays in this uh which is a woman who is witty who is modern yeah. Uh, who is liberated yep. and who is not punished for these things no. the way that these movies love to punish. And and I mean, she, she is shallow. She is <laughs> married to a man who is wealthy and clearly has no romantic feelings for him, is kind of openly cheating on him, and is openly immediately willing to leave him for this man that she finds incredibly sexy, because how can you not? And you're right, the movie never says, like, oh, she's wrong for these things, and her friend doesn't either, and I love that. Yeah. And it's even, I mean, for it's for such a quick, sort of fast-moving and, and sort of surface-glossy film, there is kind of this undercurrent uh, of both her and her friend mention that uh, women of this time period, many of them are married because they didn't have a choice, mm -hmm. because it's what you had to do. Uh, so it's nice that you, she gets to basically behave like a man and... Yep. She's not uh, punished for it no, or killed no or she doesn't learn the value of settling down and, and having a baby. Nope. Um, so it was decent. And then when I watched it, it was so surprising. Uh, it gets away with so much <laughs> that even in 1932, which, uh, you know, is pre-code, but there's still the code. It's just they right. weren't very good. They, at, yeah, they just at, didn't care about it yet. Uh, there is a lot of weed in oh this Oh my god! <laughs> oh yeah, that was shocking. There's like more weed in this movie than Pineapple Express. I didn't understand yeah. what was going on for a minute. I was like, is this really what we're doing? And All like, right. man, like, was weed just better in the 30s? Because I have never had that experience. And it's another one of those things that it's not quite as common, but there's a lot of films that uh, were fairly positive in their, their portrayal of... Uh, of the marijuana and the reefers. <laughs> uh, there's I mean, a movie it's called... just fun in this movie. Yeah. It just makes you laugh. There's, there's a movie called Murder at the Vanities, which is sort of a, a low-rent uh, Busby Berkeley sort of copy film. It's got a whole musical number about how great reefer <gasps> is. <Nice. laughs> I mean, that's the one thing missing in this movie. I could have taken a song. Yeah, you know, but... I mean, there, there, there's the running time to consider. I understand that. Yeah. Uh, you get Kay Francis in a lot of gowns. Yes. Oh, that, that like, was that her nightgown or was that just her lounging gown? The, like, it black was the 1930s, with the fur. who can tell? Yeah. <laughs> like, it was sort of like something you'd wear at Christmas, but sexier. <laughs> and maybe you could go to sleep in it. What color did you think it was? Ooh, good question. Um, I thought, I mean, it's this is a black and white movie, so maybe I'm just not creative and thought it was black. Oh, I thought blue. Mm. I Black or midnight blue. Yeah. Well, mm. they make mention we earlier 
Yes, that's what I was thinking, Emily. Yeah, because what is it? She has blue eyes, and she was wearing green. Was that it? And the and William Powell is like, you should be wearing blue. And it just again, it's like this. <laughs> and then I thought maybe she put blue on. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That would have that would have made sense. And it, I wonder if it did happen. Like it is one of those things that you forget like it's so stupid to say like you forget watching black and white movies about color but sometimes i really do like i forget whenever they talk about color in a black and white movie i sometimes think why even bring that up (laughs) we can't see it right (laughs) uh but the so you get jewelry too we get jewelry in both movies yes which i'm always a fan of like I'm, i'm not a big jewelry person but i love jewelry in heist films I like how um, she was just so weird about it. Like, I don't care about jewelry, but, like, she was so into it and yep. so excited about it. I was like, get this lady some jewelry, please. Yeah, like, I after a while I was I was with her. I was like, no, no, no. Like, she works hard being pretty as your wife. You should get her that ring. Come on. Get her that 24 yeah. carat She really wants it. Talking? And she, so... During this period, early 1930s, Kay Francis was sort of this woman that was constructed and constructed herself this image of sort of glamour and sophistication and really became uh, sort of a hero for young women, middle-aged women who, I mean, this is U.S. in 1932, not the best place to be, so (laughs) everyone's dead broke, the depression is on, the Dust Bowl has wiped it out, so... Mm. You could go for an hour uh, and see Kay Francis parade around in these amazing gowns, yeah. this ridiculous jewelry, and, and you know, kind of forget that you were living in well, a shack. With it's funny because that was something I thought of when I looked at the time. Was you know, it's is it does it go both? Which way does it go? Does it go the way of? I want to escape because my life sucks right now. So for five cents, I can watch a movie and escape into this beautiful woman's life of adventure and jewelry. (laughs) Or does it go the other route of resenting that and thinking my life is so hard and I, you know, am struggling to feed my family. I, the last thing I want to see is a rich playgirl just, you know, getting what she wants. And it more often than not, it was the first. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sure. Which makes sense. Right. They say like, what is it like a lot of those kinds of escapist forms of entertainment surge during depressions yeah uh and i i can see that because this is just light it's airy um there is something very soothing and relaxing and i thought this even with oceans eight which christine and i talked about a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. where it's it's not a great movie it's frustrating because you you want it to be so much better but it's also like really cute and really fun and really pretty and there's jewelry and gowns and there really is something satisfying about that enjoyable about that i think there is and this oh this is gonna oh yeah one more something i watched recently crazy rich asians okay uh all right film Mm -hmm. funny it's a pretty typical romantic comedy which is you know right except for the not be but uh uh but really flatly filmed mm. uh, with really dull cinematography that should have been like quality rich person porn yeah oh yes and the stuff was all in the frame but they never made it seem mm. you know but yeah. uh, anyway no that's my that, take i, I, I but hear go you. see it interesting 
Because that is something I really appreciate. Like, if if you're going to have a movie and Michelle Yao is going to be wearing beautiful jewelry, that camera better make love to that beautiful jewelry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. And in 1932, did that well. So, you, I mean, you had this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had, like, uh, was it Dinner at Eight, Grand Hotel? Yes, uh, yes. Uh, which Grand Hotel, another fantastic sort of gentleman thief yep. film. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I want things to look pretty, and for the camera to acknowledge that this might be shallow, but show it to me because this mm-hmm. is where I'm getting it. I'm not getting it in my own life. Uh, even well, and, uh, yeah, go for uh, it. I would say you've got Kay Francis and and William Powell playing off of each other, oh, who yes. are just both fantastic. Uh, and there is such sexy chemistry between the two of them. That's what, when I was writing about it, I was like, there's scenes where you're like, they're, they're basically just having sex. Oh, uh, yes. It's only dialogue, but they're basically. They, she sex. is pregnant <laughs> because of this one evening with him. Uh, it's the, there's just so much about it that, and I, I can't think of the exact moments or the exact, like, it's the wordplay, certainly. But even, like, what does it happen, like, two or three times where he goes as if he's kissing her and he doesn't? And yeah. it is so sexy. And there's a moment in um, Diabolic that also I was like, you know, like, this one little tiny thing that happens that I'm like, that is fucking sexy. And it's not about, like, Obviously, it's not about the physical um, romance because they're not showing us anything. They're both fully clothed. We don't see them even – maybe we see them kiss at the end. I can't remember. But, like, it's very, like, you know, they're, they're, it's not that. But yet it really goes to show how much, you know, I guess when that sexual chemistry kind of transcends, it is not about, like, physical. There's just so much else to it. And I think it, it's a really great example of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah, like the this, opening, uh, too. Yeah. Just a great, <laughs> yeah. like, funny setup and just has such a perfect beat to it where it's, as soon as the movie, that opening scene, just to me, like, I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm in. I, I get mm-hmm. I get the humor we're going for and it's working. Yeah. Yeah, Jewel Robbery is two of the wittiest, most glamorous people you know uh, flirting with each other. And then uh, Diabolic is two of the most attractive action figures. <laughs> uh, Pretty much, yes. Flirting with each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that there's also, like, on her end, there's this kind of what she's getting from him. It isn't just that he's handsome. It's that he's dangerous. It's that he's interesting, <laughs> and he, is, he has made her life so much more interesting today, and that turns her the fuck on. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, this will seem like a stretch maybe in in anyone's head but mine. So I like their relationship for the same reason that I like certain villains in the James Bond films. Okay. And my favorite my favorite villains in Bond films are always the ones who are super excited to be fighting James Bond. Ooh yeah. Uh, so like Live and Let Die, not the best Bond film, uh, but Yafet Kato in that is so excited to it. be matching yeah. wits with James Bond that I love him. Uh, yeah. And this is the same thing. She's so excited in so many ways that suddenly this, I don't know if you can call him threatening. He has a gun. I don't know that he's ever fired that thing. Uh, <laughs> but the, yeah, it's this, 
this very sort of staid and safe uh and comfortable and even probably satisfying in its way life but uh that something is missing from mm-hmm. uh, and i think that's also sort of you know that again plays into sort of the the ability to escape what was going on in the country at the time sure uh, but yeah it's just i'm glad you got, both of you liked it it's it sort of is a movie that falls in between the cracks a little bit because the same year uh, Kay Francis was also in a film called Trouble in Paradise okay, uh, directed by Ernst Lubitsch who he makes the same kind of movies as this is but kind of at the level that wins Academy Awards mm, okay, um, and it's very similar to this she uh, is a woman that meets a, a gentleman thief um, and it is fantastic film, although uh, last time I saw it was at a, a place here in New York, which I'm sure you're both familiar with, the Film Forum, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which is the theater I go to when I want to realize that for all of the cliches about teenagers in movie theaters, <laughs> not so bad compared to people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s Ooh. who will not shut up during a movie. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Awful. And there was a guy in back the whole time yelling out, this film is genius. You should all be on your knees. <laughs> was Pray it Wallace Shawn? That sounds like a really good Wallace Shawn. I don't know who it was. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but so that was a very high profile film. This one, much lower budget. Uh, but I think just as funny, just as cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, with just as good performances. Sure. I mean, it could almost be a stage play. Like, there's really nothing visual about the movie aside from like yeah some some shots of jewelry but it's never about and it's even like it could have been a farce in some some ways like there's a little bit of you know oh he's hiding and where did he go and the cops are right here and he's right there but it doesn't do much with that it's really much more just about the writing the characters the situation between them than anything cinema cinema cinematic i guess yeah and you know 32 uh, they've sort of figured out the sound mm. technology by then, but not quite the the combination of sound with uh, like dynamic camera movement, that yeah. sort of thing. You got a couple more years sure. before you get to to that. Um, yeah, it's it, it's funny, I guess, when you think about it, because it really shows how much more important or more, yeah, a kind of how more valuable the actors were in a sense. Because, mm-hmm. you know, later you can, you know, I mean, in Diabolic, everything could, could probably was dubbed that we watched and it, it's fine because yeah. it's not, it doesn't really affect anything because, you know, there's visuals, there's everything else going on. But in this where it really, it does, you know, actors, you know, they have to find their light, but it's not like there is a DOP who knows exactly how to get the right angle to mm-hmm. really capture this this part of the performance. It's purely in, hey, you two are giving the, are making this movie just purely by your performance. And it's something I guess I, I don't think about much, but in a movie like this, it really does make me <clears throat> kind of appreciate that, I guess. Yeah. And it's... I like comedies where the people are funny because they're the smartest people in the room rather than the dumbest. Yes. And they're very nice... Like I'm not a big fan of of modern comedy because it really is sort of built on people being dumb and mean and mean to one or being smart um, and mean to the dumb ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas this, 
the robber and the baroness, they're both very smart. They're yep. both very likable. There's really not a, a bad guy in it. Even the boring husband mm-hmm. is not a bad guy. He's no. just a boring husband. Yeah. Uh, and the dumb, the people that are the dumb people in this movie are not treated badly. Like they are you like the um, kind of the bumbling night watchman who ends up, I mean, his arc is just so great where he ends up helping William Powell carry this heist <laughs> off. And he's being, because William Powell, of course, is being so nice about it and is so smart about how to talk to this man. And this guy is just Green. doing his job and he's doing it so well. But he it, brings records for them to listen oh to. Oh, God, I love it. <laughs> and it never, you know, as much as it is funny because this guy is just so oblivious, it's not mean about it. It doesn't give him a comeuppance, and it doesn't, like, even have anybody acknowledge it. It's still really smart, and William Powell treats him with respect in in his own way. And it's really great. Yeah, this is a good one. I want to learn how to talk like that. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and do your I hair watch, like that. We, we watched a YouTube video after because I, like, Zach was like, what's, well, you know, why do they talk like that? And I said, you know, it was kind of an amalgamation of, yep. you know, all that stuff. And it was easier to hear on the radio. Like, it was stuff that I kind of gleaned from years of reading other people's stuff about movies but he's like let's watch this video and and see what this man has to say so we watched something and he kind of hit the finer points of like what it transatlantic um accent i believe is what that's called yeah finer points of what words to hit and what letters to Mm. make sure you enunciate i was like jesus christ i want to talk like this all the fucking time i want to just walk into a store and be like where's the water please (laughs) i just really do please why would you not i want that to be my life it's it's infectious christine you you are the you know the captain of your own vessel there is no reason you cannot do this i i know i want to i want to start just listening to stuff um in earbuds all the time to just see if i can pick it up so do it so hard i always i always want it's like well if i ever if i move to another city and start over (gasps) yeah do i do i want do i want to have like the william powell jimmy cagney you could do it or or do i want to talk with the cadence of john houston i i it depends on how you're dressing like i feel (laughs) like you know you're a guy who can do a pocket square you you know you can kind of dress in such a way where i can get the william powell voice I'll give it a go. Yeah, please, please. Um, this <laughs> one, one thing that like I really stuck with me that I had to write down because I'm like, oh my god, this sounds like the title of a Lifetime movie because it's a line that's repeated is um, when Kay Francis is so upset that she's going to be untouched in the suburbs. <laughs> it was funny. It was surprisingly like witty, but mm-hmm. like in a really like relatable way yeah like the the jokes hit yep. and they were smart and relevant and and you wouldn't think necessarily that so many of them would still hit the way they were originally intended to mm-hmm. yeah um so that was a pleasant surprise yeah no this this was to me so enjoyable i watched <laughs> most of it at the gym and it was one of those like good gym watches because they kept moving and it you know just flowed it's, and... it's very fast yeah 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 again why can't they talk faster in movies nowadays they wouldn't be two uh, two and a half hours then 
maybe maybe modern film can take a a page from this playbook just by saying maybe we should tell like a little more simple straightforward linear stories yeah. that don't lost ruined everything everyone lost ruined yeah everything. that that the birth <laughs> of the mystery box right oh mystery boxes where they haven't thought where it ends no origin stories yep i i didn't need to know where michael myers came from Look, i don't need to know where Jason i don't need, no, I don't I don't need to know where the robber comes from Nope. His backstory is he steals jewels. Yeah. End of story. Yeah, that's all. That's what he did yesterday, probably. And if not, <laughs> I don't care. Just tell him the story and move on. Yeah, no, it, it is refreshing. It it really is, and I, I mean, it's one of those things. I think you see like a lot of the running time of these movies in the '30s was short, and that's fine. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and yet even with that, some of them can drag, and this one just doesn't. It's a delight. Yeah. So if we enjoyed this movie, Keith, what are some other um, movies that you'd probably recommend in a similar vein? Uh, Trouble in Paradise, Mm -hmm. which I mentioned, uh, which is probably streaming somewhere. It came out on Criterion and DVD, but it hasn't been issued on Blue yet. But wherever the Criterion collection ends up next for streaming, uh, it'll probably be there. And hopefully someday they'll put it out on Blu-ray because... I still buy those things. <laughs> Me too. Uh, books. Yeah, there's uh, a movie from 1929, oddly, called Bulldog Drummond. Okay. Uh, starring Ronald Coleman and, oh, what do you know, Kay Francis. Nice. Uh, uh, and he is basically uh, a World War One vet who comes home. He's bored. Uh, so he takes out, oh, sorry, that's not Kay Francis. Oh, oh. right there. Uh, but he, he comes home, he's bored, uh, so he takes out an ad that basically says, I'm looking for an adventure or crime of a humorous description. <laughs> um, and it's really good. And for 1929, it's it's still pretty uh, spry in nice. its direction. It also moves very quick. Uh, but there's quite a few films okay. like this at that time. But, uh, cool. And... I believe you mentioned in the book, Kay Francis, her career never went as far in part because she was a little too tall. She was tall. Her and her friend in this, Helen Vinson, were both very tall. Uh, and a lot of the leading men at the time were very short yeah. uh, and still are. Um, yep. But also, Kay Francis sort of paid the price for post-34 uh, when they sort of get more serious about... Mm-hmm enforcing the code uh the kind of characters that she played just weren't gonna fly sure then so yeah that's a shame 1930 to 33 34 she had a glorious run good 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 and we're all better for it all right nice anybody have more to say or shall we go ahead and give uh the jewel robbery rating or two or six in this case (laughs) i'm ready if you guys are (laughs) All right, so Keith, I believe you know we we give two grades um, to account for when we think a movie is great but not not enjoyable or vice versa. So first one, quality of film, just how as a film is this movie? Um, Who would like to go first? I can go first if need be. Uh, Um, This is always the hardest part of the show. 
It is. As I, I have, uh, despite the fact that we do it every time, I have not given a single ounce of thought to yes, it. Yes, and so. every time Christine forgets that we do it and then has to remember and try to remember <sighs> the difference. And I don't know. I know. Who we instituted should, this? I, I, that's yeah. the thing. I'm starting to wonder if maybe we should kill the ratings, but uh, we'll... <laughs> We'll maybe leave, open that up to the polls. For quality of film, um, I, I mean, it's hard for me to judge because I haven't seen enough movies of the time to know how it stands there. Again, I think it moves well. I think it is done really well in terms of story and character. But sure, visually, it's not the most exciting thing. Um, so I'm going to say quality of film, I'll go with a 7.5. Yeah, I was going to say seven, and I'm only pairing it up against the very few movies from around that time that I know, but just also modern mm-hmm, movies. Sure. It's I think it's better than a lot, a lot yeah. of modern film. I wouldn't disagree. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was a little bit trepidatious, honestly. Like, I thought, what the fuck did Emily do to me? <laughs> and I really, I, really, I really liked it, so. Yeah. I mean, you have good reason. I have hurt you before. You, you, I, I don't trust you at this point. Nutcracker 3 days. You know there's a new uh, Nutcracker movie that looks just as crazy, but it doesn't have a shark, so pass. Yeah, the Kira Knightley one? Yeah, yeah. I want to see it so bad. Apparently it's kooky, but it can't be kooky enough for me. No, never, <laughs> never kooky enough for you. All right, Keith, where do you fall for quality of uh, film? So I'm right along with you. Quality of film, uh, 7.5. Yes. I think it's great i think it's it's well written it's fast paced uh it's not quite the measure like i said of of some of the other films like the lubitsch films that were out from the same time but uh still very good and Mm -hmm. and like i said i'm glad both of you like it is a proof that even with sort of the limited technology that they may have had at the time uh how modern still uh, a film that is i mean it's not so far from a hundred years old this film. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so, uh, but it's still. I agree. It's better yeah. than a lot of films that come it out really now. Is. Uh, but I believe that about many films. <laughs> oh, and the sorry, the other film I was trying to remember, uh, Raffles. You'd think Raffles. I would remember it because I wrote about it in the book in the same chapter uh, <laughs> that this is in, uh, and that's also it's uh, Ronald Coleman who is in bulldog German and Kay Francis okay, uh, nice. who just keeps falling in love with gentlemen thieves. So. I mean, how could you not? Yeah. They're charming and they give you really nice jewelry. They These do. Good things. All right. So now quality of life made by this film. Um, again, this was just a joy to me. So I'll say, you know, uh, I'll go 8.25. Um, I would say seven point seven five. All right, and Keith. Oh, I'm I'm up there. I uh, think you would I'd be say nine. Yeah. Uh, just because, given its subject matter, given the stars, mm-hmm. given the fact that it's sixty nine minutes long, yes. uh, it's one of those films that if 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 you're not feeling that good, you can come home. You can put this on. Doesn't take much time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can watch it over and over again because they talk fast so you missed some uh so yeah i'm a good i'm a nine on this one nice nice all right so that was the jewel robbery which is i don't know that it's streaming for free anywhere but you can rent it for three bucks from amazon prime that's what i did Mm, me as well you can buy it on disc what What? it comes with comes with like four other movies (laughs) including uh 
uh, Man Wanted, which is another fantastic nice. cave Francis film where uh, she's a boss lady Ooh, that fun. gets a, a secretary man and hijinks and oh. Ooh, that sounds really fun. I may need to find that. All right, so enjoy that, folks. We are going to take a quick break and come back and talk about Danger Diabolic. Oh! very long journey through time uh, from 1932. We then ducked into our time boat and sped the boat to 1968's Danger Diabolic. That's how I'm saying it. I, I guess I, what, that's the Let's say it that way. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll see how it I'm how, good with that. All right, how, we, how it all shakes out. Uh, 1968, directed by Mario Bava. Uh, this is a, a, a movie that uh, I think we all have a lot to say about. I believe I first saw it on Mystery Science Theater 3000, right? This was covered on there sometime back. Is, am I right about that? Uh, probably. I'm okay. not the guy to talk to about Okay, Mystery I meant to double Science check Theater. that, but I'm pretty sure it was on there <laughs> at some point in time. Let's say yes. Why not? Why not? Who was wrong? Uh, Christine, tell us what Danger Diabolic is about. Oh boy! Um, it took me several watches before <laughs> I. Got um, it's about a guy that likes to steal stuff. Like I think his main reason for stealing stuff is because he likes to, and he's got uh, a blonde lady that likes when he steals stuff, mm-hmm. and she helps him steal stuff. But then there's the government that doesn't want him to anymore. And they're like, we got to stop him from stealing stuff. And then there's this criminal that's like, I'll help you stop him from stealing stuff. But that really doesn't go well. And then somebody ends up getting cremated with emeralds inside of them. And then... Yes, you do. I don't know. This man ends up in gold, but not really. The end. This fucking movie you guys i can't say that i've liked this movie really oh man i here's this is the rare case where we can completely disagree i fucking loved this movie this movie made my day i i had a long day i started in the morning i was so into it then i had a really long day at work and completely kind of like forgot everything at work like forgot all this other stuff i had to do I leave work, I get on the subway, and I realize, what am I going to do? I'm on the way home. Do I have a book? Oh my god, I get to finish Diabolic. And I was so excited and so satisfied. 
Well, I'm glad. It's admittedly a, a bit of an oddball movie. Uh, it doesn't really take itself terribly seriously. Uh, it's not terribly interested in its own narrative. Um, <laughs> That's a nice way of saying it, yes. Uh, it is definitely a movie uh, that communicates through style and through fashion. Yes. Or uh, lack thereof in some cases. <laughs> I, I think, um, what, what is the female's name again in the movie? Uh, Eva. I feel yes. like she never wears clothes. She only wears suggestions of clothing. I, you know, I'm not a man who feels bound <laughs> by gender. Uh, some of her outfits, if I could pull them off, I wouldn't mind them. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're like, brief, some yeah. of them. <laughs> they, they require, like, she has to physically be really fit to lean in such a way where it doesn't just fall off at times. Yeah. It's kind of impressive. But it is, it's a movie, I think, intentionally sort of composed of self-conscious poses. Uh, it's very much made of, of moments. That's why I refer to both diabolic and eva as action figures yep. it's sort of basically mario bava got more money than he'd ever had in his in his film career yes. uh and still didn't use hardly any of it that's right you um, said this one came under budget right yes considerably under budget uh like hundreds of thousands of dollars under budget i mean that layer uh, like that fucking because, layer is yeah, something it was, you know, Dino De Laurentiis is the, was the producer, and his whole career is throwing A-list money at, at B and C-list ideas. Yeah. Uh, so he just dumped a load of cash in Bava's lap. Bava didn't really use any of it. Uh, <laughs> but he really did take it as sort of an opportunity, because it's based on a, a comic book, uh, to just sort of goof off to play. Uh, I do think there's actually something being said in the movie, kind of about counterculture uh, and the clash of generations, but uh, yeah, mostly, yeah, it's it's playing with lights, playing with putting a kaleidoscope in front of your camera. Uh, <laughs> oh, the the heisting is so like I mean, there are some major, big, elaborate heists that involve, among other things, climbing a tower, a stone tower. Um, and what's what's the other one is the, I mean the gold is something uh, uh, coordinating a train crash so that a what is it forty ton brick of gold lands all of the gold in Italy all of the gold in Italy <laughs> lands in the ocean at such a point where you can hook it up to your speedboat and bring it back to your lair and yeah. then unmelt it and then melt it back. With your laser gun that can, and, and your and your laser suit that allows you to fly into the sun without getting burned, it, this so, Christine, how did you not like this movie? Yeah. So I I mean I I guess maybe I'm I'm wrong. Yeah. I, I all I can say is that this type of um it it doesn't it's not for me. Like everything took too long. The movie came to a natural conclusion at least twice. Like I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, it was, it I, I don't think that this is the proper genre for me. Um, mm, okay. I don't find it charming. I don't find it 
like I'm I'm not into how like trippy and cool it is. Like just get to the fireworks factory. Like what are we doing in this movie, everyone? Um that that one dude, he's mad hot. I'll give everyone that. And John like Philip Law? Is that who that is? I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like a Ken doll. I, I assume I you're not to talking about him... Terry Thomas. I thought we were talking about 1960s Jude Law. <laughs> right? Right? So much he's, like he, him. He's very attractive, and he's he's fun to watch. But, like, oh, and at one point, also, it's one of my favorite things that I've ever seen in a movie. I will give, give this movie that. Um, at one point, his girlfriend... Eva, I believe mm-hmm. you said her name, um, is standing out in front of this big fancy castle house, which was weird, but whatever. And she is walking around, um, perpetrating like she is one of the the girls on the street that you would solicit for sex. And one of the actual sex workers out there was like, she's not one of us. And it was so awesome. Like, bitch got called out real quick. And I appreciated that. I mm-hmm. thought it was really funny. Um so that that was funny, and like there, of course, there were some interesting set pieces and stuff. Um, but but the connective tissue between them was so flimsy and confusing that I didn't care enough, mm. to, especially towards the end. Like I really tried to stay focused in, and then I I, I almost felt disrespected by the movie. So I said, <laughs> "Movie, I'm not paying attention to you as hard as I was." I will put this movie on like I would put on a record. Uh, and just played mm-hmm. in the background. Oh yeah, I could see uh, that. One of the things I like about it, and what I like uh, about the heist in it, so in the book, which you can purchase on Amazon, uh, <laughs> the one of the the early chapters is about this character called Fantomas, who was uh, uh, from a series of French sort of pulp crime thrillers, and then they made some serial silent serials about him uh, in the 1910s and he's sort of like he comes up again he got a makeover in the 60s to be more like a, a james bond movie but he he's a thief he's not a gentleman thief he's definitely a villain uh a mm-hmm. lot of kind of murdery uh well, so is diabolic he, i'm gonna say yeah well that's so that's that yeah that's one thing uh that i can get to but phantomas mounts these heists or these scams that are so elaborate (laughs) and involve so much sort of like behind the scenes work and props that he's obviously losing money on the heist. (laughs) Uh, And Diabolic is the same way. Like he, like he, he buys a submarine. (laughs) Yes, he does. There's no situation where you come out ahead uh, no. when you have to buy well, especially a because he doesn't seem to do anything with his winnings. Yeah. Like the emerald so, necklace, like it's 11 emeralds, which as we said, he, my God. Um, so again, he aside from having to scale this castle, he also ends up basically, the, the, yeah, as Christine said, has to fake a death and then fake somebody else's, not fake somebody else's death, but kill somebody so that they're going to be cremated in an exact place where the emeralds are going to melt out of them and he's going to go in and collect them. But then he doesn't sell them. He just puts them on his girlfriend's naked body and then she jumps in the water and presumably they, they all, all fall fell in the water. Off. <laughs> it's like well, millions the, of dollars. Like, Christine, you may not have, have liked the movie, but you do hit on, like, when you said his whole character is he likes to steal. Yeah, that's what he does, uh, and, and I respect for, that. I respect for, that about him. Yeah, for Fantomas, it's the same. It's it's the act of the heist, mm-hmm. uh, 
they couldn't really care less if they make a profit off of it. Yep. If it succeeds, they couldn't. Yeah, they they lose interest the second they have it. Yeah, it's the danger and the like carrot. But then once you get the carrot, you don't really want it. Yeah. Which yeah. is why I mean, this being you know a product of of its time also, uh, and Italian films in the '60s and '70s, not necessarily known for their dialogue. Because uh, you had probably <laughs> some of it's so languages good. Being spoken. Uh, but it's it's uh, although I do like I like the spirit of the line uh, team up with me <laughs> and you'll be more warmly dressed. <laughs> I mean, so it doesn't quite work, but I get where he's going with it. Uh, My favorite line was um, we have a doctor character who is being threatened by the main villain. Um, and I guess something happened when the doctor's passed where he's now working privately. <laughs> and the villain says to him, San Francisco dropped you out of the medical register. But if you are lying to me, I'll drop you out of the human register. <laughs> and then, guys, spoiler he alert. It, he says it twice. I know, because he really does. Because <laughs> after he does it, he says, I've dropped you out of the human register. Which, again, like, I've never killed anybody, but now I kind of want to just so I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but the reason I picked... So the two movies that I did for this show is they are, to me, they're a lot alike, maybe not necessarily in execution, but it's both, it's a guy who steals because he loves to steal, Mm -hmm. uh, a woman who falls in love with him because she loves that he steals. Yep. Um, Oh yeah, I, I think, I think the thread totally works for me. Yeah. And I think even like... I, you guys are both, you know, thinking that this Jude Law guy is attractive. He's attractive. He's not my type. I am not attracted to Diabolic, but you know what I'm attracted to? I'm attracted to him and Eva together because they are sexy together as a pair. So here, here's my origin story. Now that I've said I don't like origin stories. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So when I was in college, uh, not the sharpest dressed kid what uh, at age 20 in Gainesville Florida uh but I sort of knew like I was getting this inkling because I had grown up on on spy films and James mm-hmm. Bond and I was like I kind of want to look like that but I didn't yeah. know how uh I also I'm like five seven I weighed like 110 pounds uh there's not a lot of off the rack sure you know sear suits that, that fit you or, uh, or diabolic body suits with masks yeah, attached. yeah I get it. I get but it. uh yeah well to, if, tell you what, if you go shopping for one of those outfits, you get some interesting ads. <laughs> um, I understand. But, uh, but so we, me and some friends, we get together and and we'd watch these old spy films where you could find them on VHS again, uh, and sort of listen to old mod records and stuff from the the fifties and sixties. And then I had a friend who brought this over, and he's like, "Have you ever seen Danger Diabolic?" I was like, "No, nah, haven't." Uh, and the scene where they're making love on a rotating bed covered in the money that they've just stolen while like the Ennio Morricone score mm-hmm. plays in the background. I was like, this is it. This is what I want my <laughs> life to be like. Everything from now on uh, is going to aim to what that. I, whatever I have to do. Like I've been building slowly, mm, you know, okay. surely. Uh, this is the end that. game. So, I will yeah. say one thing about that scene really turned me off, which is when she picks up the that dollar money's bill. money's gross. Ew, yeah, she has it in her <laughs> mouth. And they're like, I get money as foreplay. Like, 
I remember when um, at one point in life I had $8,000 in cash in my hand. It was Korean money. It was when I was leaving Korea and I had to take my money out of the bank. And I got home and you know what I did, of course, was I threw it on the bed and like jumped in the bed and then immediately it was like, oh, oh God, oh God, I got a shower because money is fucking disgusting and putting it in your mouth is just nasty. I'd like to think it was fresh from, you know, the the mint, but... uh... Okay, fair. Yeah, also uh, recreating that scene with pennies. Don't, it, don't work <laughs> well, well, especially because they're very cold, so it tends to yeah. be like, oh, oh my, yeah. Um, it's one of those things like uh, the list of stuff that that movies. Oh think yeah, is that they sex, think like, is sexy, like, like having sex on a beach or a ha- oh. or in a hayloft. <laughs> I remember yes. thinking that oh. with um when I saw Red Riding Hood years ago and like it was so clearly aimed at teenage girls because teenage girls think it's really sexy to like hook up in a hayloft but have you ever sat down on a bale of hay? It is yeah, not you don't want to be anywhere near hay. So you know, as, as a holistic horse doctor when I was younger, <laughs> I imagine you uh, had your share and of having hay-lofts. access having access to a barn uh-huh. uh, and a rotating a bed on that barn. Yeah, where I was like, this is I'm gonna like this is gonna this. be it. Yeah, friend, we're gonna go because it was a farm. the The driveway was like two miles long, so like I could pull up to the farm. Mm-hmm. No one knew I was there. Uh, and yeah, one uh, hay is really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, barns don't smell good, Not especially if they got horses yeah. in them. Yeah. Uh, and you know, uh, they do attract to the occasional bug. So, I was thinking uh, that as well. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, that makeout session lasted about. 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, a it, it, good lesson after that. Good, good lesson. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the, to me, there's just so much in this movie that I loved. The bumbling, um, what, what is he, the Secretary of Treasury, I guess, or whatever his position oh. is. <laughs> and when he, so basically Diabolic steals the gold reserve or, and, and then blows up the, the tax building because Diabolic is a murderer. Like, yes. he has killed yep. many people without so remorse. That's the the sticking point in this is he does like he offs like some dudes who are just doing their job. Yeah, yeah, like uh, they're just police officers. They're not like which is is sort of it's a remnant of his his origins in a comic mm-hmm. book. Uh and in the comic book he's he's much more villainous. Okay. Uh he's much more violent, but also it's written at a time in in the world but in italy especially where kind of every authority figure was sort of by default the bad guy okay uh, any cop even a good cop was a bad cop sort sure. of mentality um so well, yeah the uh, you, you know mm-hmm. you, the murdery thing is a bit yeah, we just much, at the go. same time like the movie is so ridiculous oh yes And I mean, they don't really linger on it. It's a lot of, you know, just kind of anonymous shootings um, and bombings that we don't see any people in. And then you get the Secretary of Treasury kind of pleading to the populace of Italy to say, so we lost your tax records. We're asking you all to come forward and tell us how much you owed, which is just (laughs) amazing and a wonderful scene. And it's a movie that is one of my favorites also. Uh, It's a movie where they transport uh, money in big sacks with dollar signs. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, how and, else and, would you do and it? And bombs are big black spheres with, like, a fuse yes. sticking out of the top. Um, uh, the villain... Oh, my God, the villain. So, 
Actually, before the villain, let me mention the other police officer, the inspector, who's really the main rival in the movie. Yes. I loved him, and I love that he was so classy. Because he's not, like, he has, there's other authority figures that are kind of, um, at times, like, more aggressive at Diabolic, or at the end when, you know, the inspector kind of has to um, make some choices, one of which is, you know what, guys, you're being really distasteful, this isn't something to laugh at, let's, you know, this is a crime scene, let's treat it that way. Like, there's something really, like, cool about him being, like, a a good rival, because he's not just a comic buffoon, he's actually, you know, kind of smart, and... Like, you, it's hard, you, you don't really root against him or for him, but there's something I really liked about how classy he was. Yeah, and that's another, I mean, that also goes back to to sort of the Fantomas books and the the Raffles books. Uh, every thief needs an equal and opposite mm-hmm, on sure. the side of the law. Uh, and especially in the old books, uh, a lot of times the... the the police inspector is your point of view. It's who you stay with through the story, sure. uh, more so than the than the villain or the anti-hero or the or the or the thief. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's sort of I like him also because he's like my my whole theory about this film is it's kind of these three different examples of generations where you've got uh, Adolfo Selly who is the the gangster. Oh, who stepped right out of like the nineteen forties? So much to say about him, <laughs> and he and he's this he's this backwards thinking, misogynistic, abusive sort of lout. He throws uh, bananas at people. Yeah, from his he's pool. definitely like he's the old way of doing things. And then you have have Diabolic and Eva, who are this like very new, very aloof, very sophisticated, uh, but also very disconnected. Mm-hmm kind of nothing else matter amoral more yeah, than very immoral. hedonistic uh and then yeah there in the middle is the police inspector who like he, he kind of wants to be cool uh <laughs> like he admires diabolic yes. but he also can see kind of where diabolic's philosophy has gone wrong uh <laughs> yeah where it's see, kind know, of destroying the economy <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, it is. I mean, Easily details. Never been strong, but <laughs> but yes, the the, uh, the main villain. Oh my god, let's talk about the main villain, uh, <laughs> who is the same actor that was in one of the Bond films, right? Thunderball. Yes, 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 yes. Playing basically the same guy. <laughs> I mean, this guy. First of all, uh, I mean which, the way which he dresses. Actually, his career is basically playing the same guy. Oh, because so. he's so good at it. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, this movie also rewards him with giving him the proper props and costuming. He's got, yes. like, the, the checkered jacket with the Art Deco tie. Yeah, he was really powerful. <laughs> oh, God, I loved it. Um, so let's talk about his... I mean, he has a drop-down door in his plane, of course, like you do. Um, he his, <laughs> He throws pool parties where everybody's having fun. He's in the pool. He has, like... It, and he has a kind of pool party I want to have, where it's not about, like, the cocaine. It's about the food. Like, the he's, bowls of he's bananas. Bowl. <laughs> a lot of bananas. Right? Like, there's mean. bananas and I think cheese on that t- tray. And he's just in the pool eating cheese. Like, that's the life. Man. He's got his golden phone that matches his golden girlfriend's outfit that just feels so, like, perfect for his lifestyle and everything. I- Holy shit, he's our president. 
Oh, shit. Oh, now you ruined it. <laughs> but, yeah, no, he really is. I mean, he, he's an obnoxious, loud, yeah. everything has to everything, be gold. Everything is golden. Like, tasteless. Yeah. And Trump uh, probably has a drop-down door. Like, this guy probably puts ketchup on steak. Like, Yeah, but Trump's uh, drop-down door doesn't work because he never paid the contract to yeah, finish it. Yeah, yeah, and it was their fault because he did a shitty job. Yeah, totally. Oh, man. See, this movie has relevance, man. I don't know what Christine... What, <laughs> I don't know what movie Christine watched, but it wasn't the same one. Um, the... Oh, I just get something now. Because I wrote in my notes, Diabolic's crisscrossing... Crisscross shooting style... Because when he <laughs> shoots, it's like it's the most ridiculous movement anybody has ever made to shoot somebody because he literally makes an X. But now I realize, oh, there was something behind that because he wasn't just shooting bullets at the villain. Yes. <laughs> In easily my favorite. That might be my favorite heist trick ever because that's a pretty good one. That requires a lot of planning. You know, the, uh, those emeralds, they're not fitting in that gun. But, uh... How the hell does that work? So, yeah, I mean, like, spoiler alert, I guess. At one point, he has stolen this emerald necklace, and he apparently makes bullets out of emeralds so that he shoots, he kills the villain. The villain is then taken to the morgue. Diabolic is presu- is also taken to the morgue, because he is dead. Um, Diabolic is not dead. He has just taken a Romeo and Juliet-esque sleeping potion that can render it seem like he's dead um he gets up in time to then go and collect the villain's ashes which have emeralds in them because the they were bullet emeralds and that just does not make any sense even after i've said it out loud also while affecting an amazing disguise oh that disguise is uh, so good and which yes. i the idea of spoiler alert for anything in this like if you're watching True. this film and you're like how is this heist gonna go like, off where How's it go? It go? yeah <laughs> You're still going to not believe us, so you, we might as well tell you everything. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, the other – so one other thing that really, like, I do when I said earlier, like, the sexiness between um, how in the jewel robbery it was the sexiness about danger and all that. There's a moment in this movie that I loved where – because, like, I mean, Eva and Diabolic are in love. Like, they really see – it seems like the only thing they care about is danger and robbery, but also each other. Like, they each do other. clearly love each other. Yeah. And there's this great, like, sexy little moment when Diabolic is driving his Jaguar. They're doing one of their many chases. And – Eva, um, it's just like, it's kind of a, like a shot where you're just seeing it from behind them and you see the rear view mirror is all you see. And he's driving and she shifts gears for him and he just looks in the rear view mirror and winks at her. And there was something I just loved about that moment that it just felt like that is exactly, it's this like when you have that unspoken, uh, like whether it's, you know, with a friend or with, you know, like your lover of this unspoken thing you do that you acknowledge and just the way it's mm-hmm. done. There was something about that and the way it was shot that I just found like, Ooh, at that moment just stuck with me. Yeah. And it's, it's a great contrast between them and, and again, Valmont. So Adolfo <laughs> Shelley's cause he treats his, the, the woman that hangs out with him like absolute garbage oh, yes. yeah. uh, is endlessly abusive. But with with even Diabolic, who are younger, they're hipper. Like it's very much a partnership of of equals. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yes. she doesn't she doesn't scale castle walls. Uh, but the heists don't work without her. Nope. Uh, she plays just as important role. He she's not a sidekick. She's not a girlfriend. She is. Yeah, she's a partner. Like well and truly, yeah, like his partner in crime. Yeah, yeah, agreed. 
and also 67 jag what a car right is is <laughs> Except now I always am going to associate that with Mad Men. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, that's a great car when it works and doesn't lead to suicide. But yeah. Look, uh, a, a great car is like a family member. Uh, you love them, but there is always something that drives you insane about mm, them. I get that. I get that. Uh, the other thing that I point i had put in my notes this comes very early in the film and kind of told me what kind of movie it's going to be uh is the very strategically placed giant dots they have on their shower <laughs> <laughs> like it's that very austin powers thing of you know that the, what the way austin powers was always joking about it that like no like we were it looks like we're showing you nudity but we're not because objects keep appearing right over the parts you want to see of a person but like they they actually have showers that are sized in a way where the dots are exactly where they need to be to cover their privates and it's like his and hers i think hers was a little bit lower because she is shorter so i have a question for christine yeah uh, so <laughs> that attitude. Not, so, so uh, I can't remember because you guys have, have you reviewed about forty thousand movies <laughs> on this show, uh, and I know you have a vast sort of knowledge of horror films. Uh, but in general, what's your reaction to sort of Mario Bava mm. films or European horror films? to say more often than not i'm kind of lukewarm there are some standouts but for the most part it it's it's a uh, a losing battle yeah. for them because <laughs> to me i mean not just because this is mario bava but and it's not a horror film by any stretch but it's very to me it has the same sort of disregard for logic disregard mm. for pacing at times sure uh so i can understand if like when those films or that approach to film making doesn't click with you uh it's certainly i understandable why this one is gonna feel off it's certainly and it's really true i think of a lot of baba's work and i mean his stuff ranges from where you can genuinely say oh no that's a good atmospheric effective horror film but i mean he is i think a director and who is always is known for style over substance, which yeah. isn't to me always oh, a bad no. thing. That can be a good thing sometimes. Not a phrase. Style can be substance. True. I'll never accept style over substance. That is a very uh, very good way of looking yeah. at it. Uh, uh, so I mean, I think that's. I'm a silent film fan. Also, there was no dialogue. Yeah, it had faces. <laughs> <laughs> we had Kay Francis. Yeah. It, it's in. You know, it, it, you're right though. Now that I've said that, because it is kind of a very. Uh, um, what's the word kind of trite trope to say of like style over substance yeah. and it's I guess more of a you know and there's different I always go back to like Michael Mann who I used to have such a problem with I used to hate mm-hmm. Michael Mann films and I don't know what changed whether it was me or whether I am older whether I looked at some of his different films at different times differently but now I look at Manhunter, and it's probably my, f- aside from Hannibal the show, it's like my favorite of that. Because there's something now where I see like, oh no, it's there is so much style to this movie. And the first time I saw it, it distracted me. And now I watch it and I realize how much that is the movie and how much it's the music and it is the lighting and it's these kind of crazy color choices that makes this movie what it is and makes it so effective. And I think that's true of a lot of Bava's stuff. It really... Yeah his visual style was so grand and specific 
that it it is part of the movie and it is inseparable from the movie. Yeah. And I was if you're looking for something I think that has a little more structure to it, Black Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. is good. Kill Baby Kill is one of my favorites. I but the enjoy movie Kill I Baby really, Kill. Uh, would love to hear Christine's opinion on uh, would be Hercules in the Haunted World, Ooh, uh, which is which is Mario Bava taking on the the sword and sandal like a '60s sword and sandal film. Uh, so Hercules travels to the underworld uh, to basically to fight Christopher Lee, who is totally not Dracula, just another vampire. <laughs> nice, uh, but it's and it is like Bava makes it on about seventy five bucks. Sweet, uh, but it's fantastic. I think. Uh, but it's a good. I don't know. I'm into it. Uh, yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't you know, know about sword you know scandal there. Yeah, <laughs> eh, it's you know, it's got uh, it's got a rock monster in it. Uh, oh come on, Christine! Can we do the... it? Can we do it? Please! Can we? Can we? Can we? I mean, y- yeah, sure. <sighs> no, you're not going to be fun about it. I'm fun about everything. I mean, okay. Yeah, no, I... If, I, if I'm just between you and me, Look, Keith, I love my podcasting partner, but sometimes her taste is very questionable. Well, uh, <laughs> even people who like a lot of the same movies that I like, I lose them on sword and sandal film. <laughs> uh, but uh, I feel it's only fair. If I if I'm somehow just uh, resulted in Christine having to watch Hercules in the Haunted World, it's only fair then that she gets to... to pick a movie for me to watch sometime so put it out there it's open and you know it, uh... i mean she's what, what skyline 2 is that right skyline 2 is not good <laughs> it's not good but you saw it in the theater <laughs> no i didn't see Sky- skyline 2 oh. didn't get a theatrical oh but you would have seen it at the theater probably <laughs> frank grillo's in, in skyline 2 it, i think it's screaming screaming streaming <laughs> somewhere screaming it somewhere. is screaming somewhere <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, and now, there was there was not an official sequel? There's not a... So, there was not a sequel. Okay. Um, but to me, this movie is part of kind of an unofficial trilogy. Okay. Uh, all three films produced by Dino De Laurentiis, all three films that have sort of the same aesthetic. Uh, so, it's this... Barbarella, mm. and then the the nineteen eighty Flash Gordon, ah, which we have covered. And Bar- Barbarella, I've never seen Barbarella, and I've always meant to see Barbarella. Oh, it's good. Yeah, you people like have it. told us that we should cover Barbarella. See, it's been a it's, while since I watched it, but okay. you, I think you'd like it a lot. One of these days, we'll cover it then. Yeah, it's yeah. I would like to hear that because it's to me, it's in terms of its plotting and its pacing it's just as shoddy as this film <laughs> uh, which i say as someone who loves barbarella oh, yeah there's affection uh, there and so. and it's another one where where it's just it's sort of a series of episodes that happen uh i i definitely uh, found that mo- movie a lot more fun yeah than, than this one this is not this is not where i'm at i don't think um so, but barbarella is a, a little bit more my aesthetic it's it's with, fantasy and and you know uh, I don't know yeah if which if you haven't noticed yet look at the angel in Barbarella and oh uh, yeah no no there you go you just said yeah. it and I got it also 
Uh, I think Barbarella benefits from you actually being able to hear the actors. <laughs> uh, specifically Jane Fonda, who oh, sure, yeah. I think is... Is a goddess. Has been, uh, still is, brimming over with charisma. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think, like, she really makes Barbarella. Whereas this, there is no original language version of Diabol- Diabolic. Diabolic. <laughs> uh, it was it was not shot with sync sound. Uh, you've got people speaking every language you can imagine. So uh, yeah, like, and and it works. Like it, that doesn't oh. bother me at all. But I could see where if you were to try again and make it, you know, with that, that there's it's going to be a different movie with yeah. that. That's you know, going to probably work a little better, if you will, or achieve something differently. Did you know? Barbarella has a secret sequel. Ooh. What is the secret sequel? Can you tell us, or is it a secret? Yes. No. Uh, Duran Duran's Arena. Their controversial concert video. Oh, Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, in it, uh, the same guy that plays Duran Duran in Barbarella returns, and he's furious that the band Duran Duran has stolen his name. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and so, like, part of the reason everyone hates the movie uh, is because Duran Duran fans just wanted to watch Duran Duran perform. Uh, <laughs> but it, the movie constantly cuts away to Durand Durand, uh, who, like, with these ridiculous schemes to destroy Duran Duran. Uh, it's. Eh... <laughs> here's, what I'll, here's what I'll say about it. Uh, it's the movie that gave us the video for Wild Boys, which is one of the greatest Ooh, nice. videos ever made. Yeah. Uh, but beyond that, there's not a lot of gold to be mined okay. from Arena. Um, All right, well, I guess I'll have to start with Barbarella anyway, which one of these yeah. days we're going to do right here on this podcast. Nice. Here's the deal for Barbarella. I'm building a bar in my back room. Put a big TV up. We'll watch Barbarella. <gasps> nice. I'm in. I'm in. Um, and I'm sure you will curate that the cocktail list quite well for that. I'll come up with something. I would think. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So should we go ahead and rate Danger Diabolic? Yes. All right. Quality of film. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, is it a good movie? I don't know. It's a fun movie, but it's a good movie. I, I guess, in fairness, I'll say 6.25 for quality of film. Um, 5.5. Okay. Keith? Uh, for quality of film, I'm a solid 7. Okay. Now the fun part, quality of life. Like I said, I had so much fun with this. This was exactly what I needed after a long day of a lot of stuff. Um, I'm going to say I enjoyed this to a level of an 8.75. Well, um, to follow your format, I did not enjoy this. Um, But uh, life would not be the same if this movie did not exist. Mm -hmm. I think... I think it needs to it needs to be mentioned that there is literally a Beastie Boys video that is this movie. Um, 
the ca- the character, uh, the Marvel character Phantomex, I think that's how you say it, I don't know, is based upon this character as well as the character this character is based on. He has a computer called Eva. Like, these things in my <laughs> nice. life that are important to me <laughs> apparently exist without this movie. So... That being said, I give it a six. Okay, okay, reasonable. <laughs> because enough. of those other reasons. <laughs> because people who aren't me found value in this. Yeah. And created things that I find value in. And I can appreciate that. Every, everybody's art isn't for everybody. Mm-hmm. But it's real cool when people find something that they're passionate about and translate it into something that maybe people who aren't passionate can be into that so. was beautifully put and as a result i will not throw my banana at you oh thank you well, I, I am kind of hungry so, oh, so do you want it okay, sure. okay. So just stand back put your arms up okay got it <laughs> keith quality so, of life i've been watching this film non-stop since about 1992 <laughs> been talking about it since 1992 yeah. eva is on the cover of, of i thought that was her book. uh so uh I'm, i went shopping for Leather cat suits. Who amongst uh, us hasn't? Easier to find in New York 15 years ago than they are now, <laughs> oh. uh, which is disappointing. Yeah, well. uh, so I'm a I'm an easy predictable ten on this fine. one. Uh, it's a film that means quite a bit to me nice. uh, and always entertains me. Yep. So. Oh, this is one that um, will definitely uh, if I if I ever own it or if it ever is on. This is such a background movie. Because yeah. it's just colorful and pretty and will make me happy while I'm doing other things, without question. Um, I will sometimes find myself singing the Deep Deep Down theme song without realizing I'm doing it. <laughs> nice. On an elevator uh, nice. at work is interesting for them. No, I'm into it. I don't care. Uh, all right, so and you would on say, my way to a crime. Exactly. Good follow-ups, Barbarella, Flash Gordon, any other uh, kind of hidden gems we should know about? Uh, definitely Barbarella. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's not really a movie quite like this. Okay. Uh, if you wanted to find another one, there's one called Criminal with a K. Uh, and he's that's another character. It's comic book character, Italian comic book character from the same time as Diabolic. Uh, another thief. Only this one is a grown man that dresses up in a, a skeleton bodysuit. Yes, so, I remember this in the book now. Uh, yeah, and that's uh, um, Umberto Lindsay, who's nice. a pretty good director. So, okay. uh, that one's a little harder to come by. Okay. I, it, there's dubbed versions out there, so it must have been out in the U.S. at some time. Got it. Uh, but no, really, if you want the spiritual sequel to, to Diabolic, it's Barbarella, even nice. though... Okay. I think I actually have that recorded off of TCM from a while back, so... One of yeah. these days. And for those of you at home, Danger Diabolic is, again, rentable on Amazon. Uh, there's probably, like, a YouTube version of it out there, but you also want it to look good, so I would go for the HD yeah. version. Uh, yeah, this is definitely... it. It's poorly served by yeah. a pan and scan or, like, a, a murky... Yeah, because this... I mean, true of most Baba, it is rich when it comes to the color, yeah. and you want you want to see all that, because he, he put work into it, and it pays off. He made a black and white film that is somehow colorful. Yeah. I don't even know how yeah. that is. <laughs> he, was, he was an interesting fella. All right. So those were the films. Um, I, I really enjoyed them. I enjoyed both of them. Christine enjoyed one of them. Because yeah. she's no fun. She enjoyed one. But the, anytime anyone 
likes a movie of that vintage. It makes me so happy. Good, so. good, good, good. All right, so before we leave you all, um, we always like to leave everybody with a recommendation of something they can watch via a streaming device. Uh, Christine, do you have one? Um, I do. This will probably be my recommend in the next time we record, too. But um, I am three three episodes left of uh, Haunting of Hill House mm-hmm. on Netflix. Um, I was super tentative about it. I was nervous about it. I am Shirley Jackson super fan, and I will tell you candidly, I was being uh, very hateful at the during the first episode. Um, I, it doesn't have it's it doesn't even capture the spirit of the book. I they changed so much, but it doesn't sure. even have the same themes. Doesn't even have the same thesis statement as the book. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I would step in front of a bus for Mike Flanagan at this point. Yeah. It's, it's fucking spectacular. It's so fucking good. I've never watched something on Netflix and gone, when does this come out on Blu-ray? I want to buy this. (laughs) Like, I can't wait to own it because I think the streaming is not serving um, Mm -hmm. it well for, for how black some of the blacks are and that's a good point. at least at least not mine um, have you, you can... looked out for and found the hidden ghosts i think i've seen some stuff yeah but like like i said the first episode i was like i was 100 percent bitch face at this show like i was <laughs> pausing it to scream about it and the second episode i was still a little like i was still a little angry at it by the end of the second episode, I I knew that I had be, been being stubborn on purpose, and I know I need to rewatch at least those ones because, but like, look, I knew that it was going to be different, but I didn't know that it was going to be not even like a fan Amazing. fiction version yeah. of the book. Like, mm-hmm. it's 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 nothing at all. It's 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 not even in the same universe, in my opinion. I mean, I haven't finished it yet, so maybe I'll change my tune. But like, I don't fucking care at this point. Like, I give zero shits. If if this show causes two people to pick up a Shirley Jackson book, yeah. then I'm happy. And Mike Flanagan can do no wrong. I know. <laughs> I all right. So I'll go back. I watched the first episode and it it wasn't working for me. Uh, I wanted to burn the house down after the first episode. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I it, was the, just watching yeah. it and I was like, why? Why does every guy in this look like Billy Crudup? this is the thing though with and i and you have to kind of like embrace it like a warm Mm. hug like mike flanagan has an aesthetic his women and it's it's actually worked out because he's basically been able to cast all the women from all of his movies yeah almost everybody in in hill house has been in one of his other films and they all and he has like an aesthetic and like i'm into it and i like i don't know man i was i was rallying rallying hard against this but like he he knows how to do it yeah like in such an interesting way so like if you were out on the first episode i would encourage you and i hate when people say this but like i would encourage you to at least try a second one also steve is for me the most unlikable character in the show so to start the season with with your steve episode is like (laughs) yeah i think and two and three i think are i mean i think in general so i'm five episodes in to me so far overwhelmingly the women are just more interesting than the men yeah uh and that's true of all three of the women so far i i I tend to agree with you although i'm i'm a i'm a huge luke fan um i 
I don't know. I've I've enjoyed the format. Yeah. I know that a lot of people don't. I, I said Lost ruin, ruins everything, and this does <laughs> do some stuff. It's a, it's a little but, mystery boxy, yeah. But, like, I'm okay yeah. with it. Like... It's, why is why is Mike Flanagan so good? That's, that's what you know. I think I told you this. What Brandon said after I think the second or third episode was, he looks at me. He's like, "The show is so good that it makes me angry because <laughs> because I don't understand why everything can't be this good." And it's so I, fucking good. It's the things Michael Fla- Mike Flanagan does well. He does family well. He does children well. Yep. And those are it, I mean they're important parts of what he's doing here, and they work so well. I don't know how how either of you felt about True Detective. I didn't uh, watch it. The first season is uh, a masterwork, in my opinion. But... So the the first season, when I was done, I was like, I'm so angry that I didn't write this and that I couldn't have yeah. written. It's it's it's, so, it's, it's so well beautiful. Written. It's perfect. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in that camp. I know a lot of people have turned on that show since we've moved further away from that first <laughs> season. But like, I'm a hundred percent in the camp of like that was a masterwork i've watched it three times since it aired like i think it's so beautiful um i think tv can be amazing everyone yeah, of course well right. this is definitely a case where um it's and again we know netflix isn't perfect we know they started canceling things like we know there's some things going on but clearly and whoever knows how this all worked out but they've trusted mike flanagan now and they mm-hmm. basically said like okay you're doing gerald's game yeah sure okay make it Okay, you're going to do Hill House. Okay, yeah, you direct all the episodes and, you know, use whatever writers you bring in. And I think it's it just feels very clear that this is the work of Mike Flanagan mm. and not a showrunner plus 12 different writers going back and yep. forth with the with It's the a network. singular vision. You're completely yeah. right. And and like I said, I I, I I lamented that it doesn't even it doesn't even seem to sh- share DNA with the with the original story. But like it is it's it's fucking Oculus. Yeah, it's like it if is. somebody retold Oculus. Yeah, and just expanded it and made house. the family bigger. <laughs> except except instead of a haunted mirror, it's a haunted house. Yep. And instead of two kids, it's fu- it's it's fucking Oculus. And yeah. I love it. I'm so there for it. Yeah. All right, I'm back in. Do it. Okay. Do it. You'll have to let you'll have to let us know. Yeah. And again, I think episodes two and three are just are are more interesting anyway. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And then episode five. Oh yeah. Oh god, episode five. I know, know, Christine. I know. Um (laughs) it's it's great. It's so good. Um Yeah. Uh okay. oh, is it my turn? Do I have something? I guess I have something. Um this is hard. Like I can't figure out what to recommend because I have just haven't been watching a lot of TV lately or movies. But I've just pulled up Amazon to see like, hey, what's on Amazon right now? And you know what? If you're starting your holiday watching, I know it's early, but it's by the time you listen to this, it's probably Thanksgiving. You're probably like starting to get bombarded with Christmas stuff, so you're like, oh, I don't know, fine, Christmas. What am I gonna watch? Um, if you've never seen It's a Wonderful Life, just fucking watch It's a Wonderful Life because it's so good and it's on Amazon Prime. Do you and... know that Zach hates this movie? What? Yeah, I don't get it. When was the last time you watched it? I don't know. Or is I'm it like, try... I always assumed I would hate it because I've seen him, it like it. done so many times. I thought I'd always seen it. And then finally, like a few years ago, I'm like, oh, fine. Let me sit down and watch it. It's on TV. And my God, I bawled like a baby. Yeah, I like I'm... it a lot too. I mean, you know me. I'm a cold, cold remote but uh yeah you're actually no, the reason it snowed so much yesterday yeah I, uh for that. you're the richest man in town George. every time oh, every time yeah. every time well, it's so good i love I, that movie it's just... and i worry because you remember what happened with 20 28 weeks later 
Mm. watching it with with someone who doesn't like it i'm worried that if i watch it with him he's gonna make me hate it and i'd rather live with my fond memories of teacher says (laughs) every time a bell rings that makes me cry every time i don't want to lose that well it's funny because i think if i'd watched this as like a young woman or even like as a child i don't think i would have gotten it i don't think it would have hit me but watching it like as a grown-up and just getting it like oh it's that like life isn't what you always wanted it to be like look around like your life can be wonderful if you accept it and you can be a wonderful influence on people without being Mm -hmm. president and a superstar and like i think that's such an important message I found it really confusing yeah. when I was a kid. Sure. Just so, well, so children listening, on. wait until you're a little bit older because it's <laughs> mature themes. Mature themes. Uh, all right, Keith, do you have anything that oh, is I do. streaming? I had a pick, but now uh, it's a wonderful life has reminded me of something else. Ooh. Uh, you can do two. All right, now I'm going to go make with up this. for the time uh, you didn't do right. one. I do two. Uh, then the first one is something called the Ghoul, not to be confused with the thousand other things Wait, called the ghoul is this uh, the movie that i know go this go for is, it uh it's one of two indian productions that netflix did in the past year or two uh so it, this was actually a, a movie that they cut into four episodes but they did it fairly well oh i did uh, not know this i was thinking of something else but this sounds good uh, Mo- Mo- is it oh wait you're right there is a lot ghoul yeah. one season TVMA. Okay, I think that's it. That sounds like the right okay. one. Uh, with the actress called, and this may be the, the incorrect pronunciation. Uh, Radhika Apte. I can't. Uh, if I click on so, anything else, it's yeah. it's going to end up playing the trailer, and I won't know how to turn yeah. it off. But uh, this looks like it. But so it's uh, it's good. It's creepy. Uh, it's a great example of how you can make a movie about unlikable people without making an unlikable movie Ooh, you're actually okay. still interested in them mm-hmm, uh, and I it's, dig it. it's basically about a group of uh black site torturers in hmm. uh, near near future india who get a hold of uh, a famous terrorist who it turns out is maybe not the terrorist they thought and it might be a demon uh but very good that okay. sounds like my kind of movie yeah yeah it's and then uh second uh, since you mentioned It's a Wonderful Life, Frank Capra, there's a multi-part documentary streaming on Netflix called Five Came Back. Yes. There's also a book version uh, about five Hollywood filmmakers who sort of left Hollywood and joined the Army or the Navy mm-hmm. or the Marines and went out and filmed World War II. Uh, and it's really fascinating, not just because I love guys like William Wyler and, and John Huston frank capra uh but it's just a really interesting look at sort of uh, kind of a frame of mind that doesn't exist anymore Mm. and kind of what happens when you take these guys who are really enthusiastic about filmmaking and i don't want to say enthusiastic about the war some of them are some of them aren't Mm. uh but it's of course you know i mean it was such a different yeah, it time doesn't in a different anything. war than anything we've yeah. experienced in our lives. Yeah, uh, not everything goes well, you know, with the filmmaking and stuff. But it's really it's a fascinating sort of look at uh, at this. And I had no idea that that John Ford, who is looked at as such a quintessential, uh, even conservative, like American director, because he's known for all his John mm-hmm. Wayne films, uh, in the '30s and pre World War 
to uh, or leading up to World War II, uh, really not quite a lefty, but very huh. pro-Union, very anti-Hitler and anti-fascist at a time when the U.S. government and Hollywood uh, would really come down on you for being that. Mm. Uh, okay. Be branded what was later known as prematurely anti-fascist. Mm. Uh, but so, yeah, uh, Five came back. Really cool. Yeah, I've heard a lot of great things about it. It's been in my queue forever, but I have not actually watched it yet. So perhaps I shall now. Cool. All right. Well, Keith, thank you so much for taking your Friday night away from research and gallivanting around with, uh, you know, jewel thieves and such to podcast with us. We appreciate it. I, you know, with all of my, the heist that I have planned, the cat burglary, Mm -hmm. the cocktails, I think my my plan for tonight otherwise would have been to oh I I DVR'd Supergirl and and Doctor Who and the Flash you gotta catch up. There's a lot of research uh, you get from that, you know. Yes, good ideas. Yes. Uh, but thank both of you for having of me course. on. Uh, I'm often not very good at podcasting, but with <laughs> you, it's super easy. Uh, I'm glad I could take up several hours. Of your lives. Works for me. <laughs> me too. And people Dude, should. I'll come back time. Awesome. Awesome. We will have you back. And, and do Valley of the Dolls. Oh, another uh, movie I've, I've never, never seen. I've never seen Valley I know. of the Dolls. Yeah. They're, like, we both like, have those random, like, blind spots that are, like, always feel shocking. Weird. Uh, yeah. That's one I feel like there's so much that both of you could talk about with that one that you yeah. shouldn't even, you shouldn't even have a second film. Uh, although okay. everyone will always do Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Well, because that's the one that Ebert wrote, right? Yeah, yeah, but they don't really they don't really go together. Mm, so a little okay. bit not right. uh, But anyway, yeah, thank you. This was a lot of fun. All right, it was our pleasure. People should go find Keith's book, uh, Cocktails and Capers, over on Amazon. Uh, we will put a link in the show notes. And, yeah, I was uh, just going to say, I can put a link on the um, message board right now or it. the Facebook group. Yep, do it. Do they, it. Should, they should also buy Wake Up Maggie. They oh, absolutely should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so do that, that's, people. That's the book I wrote, everybody. And it's a wonderful book. And now, don't worry, I'm writing a better one now. Ooh, are, you, is, are you working on another novel? Uh, yeah. Woo. You, my fun trivia. Uh, Wake up, Maggie. First ebook I ever bought. <gasps> oh, that is pretty cool. Well, thanks for diving in there. Very neat. My pleasure. Very cool. And both of your books sit on my bookshelf, and that is very exciting to me. I get to tell people, oh, I know those authors. <laughs> when I have my fancy dinner parties and, you know, c- cook up cocktails from Keith's book. I'm like, oh, yes, this was from here. I know him. Because that's when I practice my, my 30s accent, too. That's your fancy accent? Yes, obviously. Well, it has been a wonderful time. Um, Christine, do you do you have any, like, inklings on what you want to cover next? Or do you want to wait and play it by ear? Um, all of Hill House. All of Hill House. We could do, like, Hill House, Hill House, Hill House. Or Hill I mean, House, Hill House Haunting, or Hill House Haunting and Haunting. Um, the Catherine Zeta-Jones Haunting movie is awful, but I love it. If you wanted to talk about that, I would literally talk about it forever. I have never seen that movie from beginning to it end. It is so fucking terrible. I hate it so much. Luke Wilson's in it, though. We is should that... watch it right now. Okay, done. <laughs> Uh, next episode is going to be Robert Wise's The Haunting, uh, ya- the guy who directed Speed's The Haunting, and The Haunting of Hill House, the show. <laughs> I'm totally into this. Um, note that you... This is going to be a 40-hour long Probably, show. probably. 
Um, note that mixed in between all of this, our stocking stuffers are coming, so be on the lookout for those. Uh, you and I, lady, we have to talk about which movies you're going to cover with me. Okay. Um, I made a spreadsheet, so I can share that with you. They, they get out of hand. There's a lot of movies. There's a lot to pick from. I'm trying to narrow it down to a reasonable amount. I only have so Honestly, many hours a day. Honestly, I trust you. Okay. Okay. I think there's like two that I, I'd like to cover with you. So just, but I have to schedule these things out. Keith, do you, do you have any desire to join me for a stocking stuffer? Uh, sure. All right. All right. I'll give you the list. All right, everybody. Um, so we told you where to find us. Come to Facebook and chat with us. Uh, we have a Twitter that we never use, so... Tweet at that if you'd like. Eventually, one of us will sign in and remember to do something about that. And I think that's everything. Keith, where do people find you aside from Amazon? Do you like want them to know you on Twitter and other places, or no? Uh, I I think I might still have a Twitter account <laughs> with nothing posted to it that I haven't logged into uh, in years. That's very. Uh, I am on. Yeah. I'm on Instagram because ah. I don't have to type on a phone to use Instagram, and I hate typing on a phone. Understandable. Uh, that is my username is bond underscore vivant. Uh, <laughs> I get it. And uh, I got a, a website called mezzanote cinema dot com. M e z z a n o t t e. It's not frequently updated now. And uh, my old granddad uh, teleport city teleport nice. city dot com, which I've been doing since ninety eight, and it is defunct. But if you want to see, it's still online. If you still want to see what a terrible writer I was in 1999, there's <laughs> some stuff up there. Look, uh, we all have things in our past. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank God I never did a live journal. But I remember other people doing them, and they live out there somewhere. So let this be I, a lesson to everybody. Every now and then something is so bad that I just take it down. And then I'll go to, like, Wayback Machine and, like, fucking Internet Archive. Yeah, all Wayback Machine is one of the best inventions of all time for that. It's it's a beauty. Never run for office. (laughs) Well, everybody, I hope you've enjoyed our show. Come find Keith, come buy his book, and come back next time when we do a lot of hauntings, I guess. All right. Uh, Be safe. Happy Thanksgiving, Americans. Happy Thanksgiving, and happy whatever November to all the rest of you people that aren't American. Donate to indigenous people. Thanksgiving's don't. a lie. Bye. Yeah, listen to Christine. She's right. Good <laughs> don't, night, eat, don't eat natural cranberry sauce. Only the stuff from the can. Oh, I mean, yeah. That's better. Goes without saying. Yeah. Well, especially because if you're making a sandwich the next day, which to me is the most exciting part of Thanksgiving, it's the leftover sandwich, you can't be used like that. That stuff is designed to go on a sandwich. Look, as a vegan, I will tell you that Thanksgiving sandwiches are the only thing I really miss about oh. the holiday. Could, you could do it, though. I mean, the cranberry is is, na- is non Well, yeah, but, like, I don't know what I would use for a turkey substitute, okay. and then stuffing would be a whole thing, and then I'd have to go get special bread, oh, and, like, I don't eat potatoes. Like, it's a whole thing. Good God. How it's do you not, it's not yourself worth it. sometimes? We're going camping. Okay. It's not well. a thing. Good, good luck with those berries and don't eat the poisonous ones and all of that. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.
die.